Hello, everyone, and welcome to Die, Dustal Prod's TTRPG podcast. As always, I'm dead. Somebody today we got Cave. He won't stop making me suffer. Is it suffering? Yes. <laughs> well, all right, then. Show's over. Good night, everybody. <laughs> but now, uh, so today, as you can tell about the title is, we're taking a look at the uh, preview for Tales of the Valiant, uh, available now through Kickstarter, because their Kickstarter launched uh, at time of recording two days ago. And at time of recording, uh, they have sextupled their goal. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they completed their goal within 30 minutes. They're trying to raise $100,000 American, and they have, again, at time of recording, $639,106. Damn. Yeah. I mean, they could. I feel like they could have gone for a million just flat and still probably hit it. No, I like maybe, but that is way too much to develop a system based on a system that already exists. Yeah, but my thing, my thinking there is a, a lot of people are still pissed at D and I'm one of them, um, and like they've been really big in the market talking about how they're not going, how there was we're coming up with something better, uh, well, different at least, and a lot of people when they see you've hit the goal are like, nah, I'm not going to donate them. But if you hit, if you rate, if your goal is like so high, then it's like, oh, they haven't hit their goal yet. I'll donate something. I'll get on their list of donors. That's how I think a lot of the times. No, like, oh, I, I want this to exist. I think the exact opposite. Well, we're two different people. Yeah, like like for a lot of Kickstarters that I've seen, they'll reach their goal, and then there's no stopping. It just keeps going. People don't give a fuck that the goal's been made. They're like, hey. I want to buy this thing before other people have, so I'm just going to pay for it. And that's why stretch goals exist. Mm, true. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, they've cleared every stretch goal except three. Cool. With stretch goals, including stuff like uh, new adventures to come out, um, AMAs with the designers, uh, a new thing called how to speak draconic a complete language for kobolds and dragons yeah i have seen that and i was like the fuck cool but the fuck yeah um and then one of their stretch goals that they haven't reached yet at eight hundred thousand will be a playtest for the warlock and bard in august because currently their plan is they're going to have two kickstarter exclusive playtests we don't know what's going to be in them yet, but they're going to be exclusive to Kickstarter backers. And if you want to get those, then you're going to need to, you're going to, need to fork up about uh, just shy of 50 American dollars, which will get you PDF copies of uh, everything. And if this is your first time listening to this kind of content from us, what usually happens is I'm completely oblivious to what's been going on. I intentionally stay uneducated on the rules because I know Dead. Hi. And Dead calls me and says, hey, have you heard about the thing? And I was like, yeah, I've heard about the thing. And then Dead said, good, I'm going to yell at you for about an hour. It's like, okay, I'll be ready. <laughs> yep, effectively. And my preparation is waking up and not having an alcohol. So I'm good on both of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's a low bar to clear. <laughs> I almost had a rum this morning, but I'm good. I'm good. 
But yeah, so I'm not going to go through everything in the Kickstarter because we're not the Cobalt Press PR team. No. We're just a couple fucking idiots. You want somebody to go on, if you want somebody to go over the whole uh, thing, talk to Cobalt Press. Yeah. We're just excited that there are other systems that people are looking at. Yep. And I have a thing that's going to be exciting to you, Cave. Oh, I doubt it, but okay. So, they've released a table of contents for what's going to be the player's guide, which is going to be, you know, the main book, everything you need to know about running the game, playing the game, how spells work, how the classes work. And there are going to be 13 base classes. 12 of them you know, because 12 of them are from the SRD. What a shock. The 13th. That's why I said I wouldn't be excited. Yeah, the 13th class is their version of the class that wasn't included in the SRD because fuck wizards, the mechanist. <laughs> For those of you who have never heard me say it, Artificer is my favorite class. Which, but it's also the class that scares me the most whenever a system tries to include something similar because I have never found good rules for crafting in a core system. Yeah, in a core system specifically. Homebrew rules. Like, there's always at least, for every system, there's always at least one good set of homebrew rules. Uh, we're currently using the heroic crafting rules. Check them out. Uh, they're great. They're fucking great. They're I love fucking them. great. I adore them. <laughs> but yeah, um, as of right now, there are no rules about crafting in the system because it's barely a system. Yeah, we're not even at the alpha stage. <laughs> but oh yeah, there's gonna like, be- it could still be good. I'm just always hesitant. But yeah, so there's going to be a mechanist. Uh, do not know whether that thing will be martial like it is in Pathfinder. We don't know where it will be magical like it is in uh, D&D. And we don't know if it will be alchemical like in Pathfinder. <laughs> no, pa- Pathfinder has the alchemist. Yeah, the alchemist and the inventor both feel like kind of like they go into the artificer category to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. My thing is... What if this ends up being like the weird scientist from Savage Worlds? Oh, that'd be so weird. Where you still have spells and stuff, but they are tied to like mechanical items you make that you can give to other people to cast your spells. That would be awesome. But probably not. Probably not. But hey, you never fucking know. This is going to be. This is me. uh, Hoping against hope. This is going to be something actually new. Because, hey, I don't know if you noticed, this is just 5e, but fancy. They they just gave it a new coat of paint, people. There's nothing wrong with that, but... It's like, come on, dude. <laughs> but yeah, like, apparently the lead designer on this described this as 5e with teeth. So take that as you will. But yeah, so... Cobalt Press, as for the Kickstarter, put out the preview thing, which is 63 pages as a PDF. Just kind of going over uh, four base classes, two subclasses for each. Um, They're kind of like some of their lineages, a few of their heritages, and then a couple of a couple of spells and a couple monsters. The spells, we're not going to get a whole lot into just because they are effectively identical. When we get to that, I'm going to have some thoughts about some things, but yeah. Uh, as for like determining ab- uh, like ability scores and that base stuff, we went over that in one of our previous things, talking about one of the older playtests. 
So you can go back and listen to that. But we are going to be going over uh, some of the new shit. Like the cleric and the rogue. As well as uh, minor tweaks to the uh, fighter and wizard that have come through. As well as looking at some of the talents, which are their term for feats. And a couple monsters. Um, I'm not going to go over absolutely everything because that would just get really boring and it would be a lot of... It'll be even more of me just yelling at Cave with no real reactions. No, Cave might go to sleep. Yeah. So I'm going to be specifically focusing on what is new. If I do not mention a feature or something, then that means that it is basically identical to 5e. So yeah. Uh, a lot of this, you're gonna, it's going to sound familiar. Like, all the hit dice are basically the same. Proficiencies, that still works the same. blah de blah de blah Clerics do what clerics do. They heal people and fight stuff. Fighters, they are fighty boys. Rogues, sneaky people what stab good. And wizards. Uh, a gun made out of fucking toothpicks. <laughs> a gun made out of toothpicks. Am I wrong? It's not what I would have said, but yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, so. Let's be going through these things in order. Uh, and let's start out with the cleric. So clerics, as normal, get spellcasting. That works effectively the same. What? Yeah. No, clerics don't have spellcasting. Yes, uh, the biggest difference with this, though, is their ritual casting. Like 1D&D, rituals are now a separate class of spells that do not take up uh, spell slots, do not take up like uh, prepared slots, and are just kind of things you do. <laughs> they are completely separate entities. Which, that's a change I like. Yeah, it's nice to be able to do rituals on the side. Yeah. And not have to go... Because there are some spells that I love to have that are just useless 90% of the time. Yeah. Like, um, Unseen Servant. I love <laughs> Unseen Servant. It's not useful. It's not useful at all. Unless you play it wrong, which everyone does. <laughs> Remind me after this that I have a uh, story to tell you about Mage Hand. Where it was used creatively, and I feel like it wasn't used wrong. Well, alrighty then. Uh, so, but they do get a new ability at level one called Manifestation of Faith, which is a choice. You get two abilities: either Manifest Might or Manifest Miracles. With Manifest Might, you gain proficiency with heavy armor and martial weapons. And once in each of your turns, when you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can do additional damage either Radiant or Necrotic, equally proficiency bonus. And then Manifest Miracles, you learn additional cantrip from any circle of magic, which are their uh, spell lists. Uh, it doesn't count towards your number of cantrips known, and with any divine cantrip, you can add your proficiency bonus to the damage. So effectively, starting at level one, you go, okay, are you going like Spellslinger Cleric or War Cleric? Which I like. I, li I like taking that and like separating it out from the um, subclasses. Yeah. Because that was one of the things. Like, like even if you wanted to play like a very like beefy, I'm a roll in and just fucking kick nuts and slap butts kind of cleric. If you, you can still be a spell slinging badass. 
Yeah, but like if you didn't take War Claire, then you're just gonna suck at it. Ah, uh, you aren't gonna be like no. In fifth edition, like every cleric was a war cleric. It was just whether or not you took the war cleric subclass in order to uh, be good. Because this is something I've noticed. Every table I've played at with a cleric, the cleric's on the front fucking line. Even if they have like no con, <laughs> like the cleric is just right fucking there. <sighs> and it's true for even clerics I've played. I don't know, man. I like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah like you're out there, but are you like out there just beating people with your we- with your weapons, or are you out there to heal the people who are beating people with weapons? It's probably the intent is to heal the people, but you end up beating the people more often than not. Like, no, hand to God, cleric is one of the nastiest things to come across in the battlefield. Hand to God. No question in my mind. Well, all right, like, then. Like, wizards is probably going to cripple them so that the wizards are the best, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, the wizards are getting such a massive buff by taking all of their class abilities and making them spells. It's literally a ritual to put a spell into your spell book. Damn, that sucked. <laughs> I told you about that. I don't remember the things. <laughs> I drink. I kill my brain cells. I don't preserve them. God, we're, we're going to get around Tales of the Lion's going to come out fully, and it's like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> hey, you guys want to play this brand new system that I've never heard of? I don't recognize any of the mechanics or classes. Yeah, they're calling it 5e with teeth. I don't know what that means, but... I've completely forgotten any other system I've ever played. <laughs> That's not entirely untrue because we'll go from Pathfinder to Starfinder to Savage Worlds to D and D, and I have to keep reminding myself what rules apply to what system. <laughs> yeah, we play Starfinder weekly for like months. Every time he crits, he still has to ask, "Okay, how does it work again?" <laughs> anyway, uh, second level channel divinity, you get. Uh, turn the profane, which is different from turn undead because it also affects fiends. Oh, that's awesome. Otherwise, it's exactly the same. I mean, that makes it useful. Yeah. Because uh, unless you're playing one of, my, one of my campaigns, there's no guarantee you're going to come up against a lot of undead. Yeah, it does. I like undead as enemies. <laughs> it does effectively double the, uh, double the uh, pool of things you can affect, but it is also still very situational. Yeah, it's still very situational, but at least there's a greater chance that it'll actually be useful. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just feels weird to have like such a core key ability. Be so useless. Yeah, be something that could just never come up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it would be different if it was like when you choose like, like oh, this would require you to have a fucking subclass at first level, but. Like, if it was, when you take it, you choose, like, two non-humanoid creature types or something that are just like, hey, your god hates them. Yeah, that would be hilarious. Just yeah. like, yes, my god dislikes this these two t- classes of creature. My god hates plants and constructs. And then you get everyone picking, like, dragons and, like, kobolds or some shit. I don't know. Uh, I believe like kobolds are humanoids. It's 
Sorry. Yeah, actually, yeah, no. Everybody goes for the one that gives them humanoids. Because it's the most common. I believe that's why I, I, believe, I believe I did. If I didn't say it, I meant to say. You to, did. But I also know how game design works. <laughs> Do you? Yes. We've had conversations. They will, develop, they will develop one that is, yeah, and we'll put in one that has humanoids for the evil players. Why is everyone picking that? It's only no. It's only for the evil players. Like ah, uh, what, what what class? There was I think it was ranger, uh, in three five. You could have favorite enemy human humanoids, but it was meant for evil players. But every player took it. Revised ranger in five e got humanoids as a favorite enemy. Yeah, and I believe in regular five e you could choose. You can choose either a creature type or two type of humanoid. Mm-hmm. I believe that was it. And everybody picked the two types of humanoid. <laughs> like, it's just a fact. People want to be able to kill other people. That's that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so third level, you get a subclass. We'll get into those in a second. Uh, fourth level, you get an improvement. Which, for those new, how improvement works with uh, Tales of the Valiant is... You increase one ability score by one, and then choose a talent, which is their name for feats. Uh, clerics can only choose the magic talent list, which there are three talent lists, magic, uh, martial, and technical. And then fifth level, destroy the profane. It's the exact same as destroy undead, but it affects fiends too. Uh, within this uh, preview, they only go up to level five with these uh, classes. Okay. Then the subclasses. Life domain. It's the fucking life domain. It's literally the exact same. Is it better at healing? Because if I remember, like either life domain was literally, hey, you want to be the healer? You take life domain. Yeah. Or life domain was actually outshone by one of the other domains that gave like less healing, but the healing was more effective or something. I fucking remember. probably I don't do math on these. I, I, I'm a, I'm a re reformed min-maxer. I sometimes dabble into my favorite drug of optimizing characters every once in a while, but I try to keep it away from the table. But that does mean I watch a lot of optimization videos. And I don't. Because those optimizers think you can push somebody up with an Elder's Blast. Oh, God. I, I still am so... Uh. <laughs> I, I told Dead about... I was watching a video and I told Dead about this and I was like... Why? Yeah, you told me about it, and then I then I ran into two videos back to back that had that exact thing in it. It's so stupid. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, life domain. It's like I said, it's the exact same. Like if you read life domain in the Coral book, it's that. The other subclass in this document is war domain, and war domain got significant changes. Okay. So there's a war cleric and a war domain. Uh, yeah, it's manifest. Yeah, it's manifest. Um, yeah, manifest might, and then a war domain. So you could manifest your might into a war domain and just be a fucking monster on the battlefield. Or you could manifest might, or you could manifest might into your uh, life domain and just be stupid. <laughs> it's like, just like your guys, like you know, thirty feet away from you, but you're surrounded by monsters. You're just like, don't worry, guys, I got this. Just beat your way through, motherfuckers, to go over there and heal them. You'll get better or I'll fucking kill you. 
I want to do this now. If you die, I'll beat you to death. <laughs> if you die, I'll bring you back to beat you to death. Uh, oh, yeah. These are things that also have domain spells. The domain spells are the same. Yeah, so with War Domain, the two abilities you get at third level. First, a new channel divinity, Mark of Triumph. As a bonus action, you hold your holy symbol and mark one creature within 30 feet of you. Until the start of your next turn, any creature who attacks that marked creature has advantage on the first attack roll they make against it. So you just roll out, mark a motherfucker, and then everyone just goons that dude. Get him. Yeah, let's get him. <laughs> Only the first attack, but still, it's not bad. And then, Disciple of War. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can make an additional attack as part of that same action. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your uh, proficiency bonus. Regain uses at a long rest. I dig it. It's simple. Yeah, it's it's stupid. Cool. You just fucking... Like I said, you're here to slap nuts and kick butts. Yeah. If you're here to play around, then you're going to end up fucked. Yeah. They they have fucked around, so now God is here to find out. <laughs> anyway, from there, we move on to Fighter. Fighter is the same as we discussed before. Uh, they have their Last Stand thing replacing Second Wind, which Last Stand is just better. Do you remember what you remember what last stand is, Cave? I do remember what last stand is. For those who don't remember, now, go ahead. I was about to say not well enough to give full description, but yeah. For those who don't remember, if you if you get if you get dealt damage that would drop you below half your hit point maximum, you can use your reaction to spend a number of hit dice equal to your proficiency bonus, re-roll them, yeah, roll them, add your con, heal that much. You can do that. For as many number of hit dice as you have. Which is awesome and actually makes a lot of sense. Like, mechanically speaking, I mean. Because yeah. it's a great way of keeping, like, one of the biggest problems with, like, fighters versus wizards is, in 5th edition at least, most of the time the wizard's going to be able to stand up as, almost as long as the fighter. Like, the other big problem is damage output, but, I mean, what are you going to do? They're wizards. Yeah. But, it's like, wizards should at least be squishier, and this solves the problem of squishiness. This, like, but without, this w doesn't weaken another class, it strengthens a class, which is really what you should do when a class is called weak. Yeah. If a class is called weak, you should strengthen it, not weaken another class. Wizards. see <laughs> You fucks. You suck. <laughs> That's all this is going to turn into. Just like as we go deeper and deeper into other RPGs, it's going to be us. Like, We're like, just going to be shitting more and more on Watsi. Yeah, it's going to turn from let's talk about this specific system to let's talk about how Watsi sucks. But no, I dig Last Stand. Like, Second Wind has always felt really weak. And with like the new ways to use um, your bonus action and stuff within Fighter, that just feels great. It. Like just being able to like modify how much hit, how many hit dice you're spending, having it like be a bit more variable, adding your con into it, and having it be a pool of resources, not just oh, I used it once. Now you got to like take a siesta. And it also doesn't say anything about like it recharging, so it just recharges as your hit dice recharge. Hmm, that's cool. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. 
Uh, martial actions. These are new bonus actions that you can take that effectively removing, they're essentially uh, replacing fighting styles. Which, they've largely remained the same with uh, aim, guard, and uh, wind-up. With guard being just uh, defender but better. Mm-hmm. And then aim and wind-up being you use a bonus action to make your attack better by uh, doubling your PB for the first attack roll. They call it PB, and that's something to say PB, because proficiency bonus is a fucking mouthful. It is. Yeah. However, they fucked up Quick Strike. So, Quick Strike, as I probably should have had it pulled up earlier to compare. Uh, Quick Strike, what it used to be was, as a bonus action, you can make a weapon attack with a light weapon... Uh, you are holding. You add your ability modifier to the damage with the attack roll as you would for a normal attack. If the light one is a thrown property, you can throw it. They said that the reason they do this is because they wanted to get around having to use the attack action before they could use the bonus action to make the offhand attack. Mm-hmm. And their purposes with that was just, hey, it is now just a bonus action. You can just do whenever so you can use your action to do other stuff while still being able to be out there and fighting. You know, an improvement. Now, Quick Strike is just two-weapon fighting. It's just, it's, it's just now, once per turn, after you take the attack action and attack with a light weapon, you can make a different, you can make an attack roll with a different light melee weapon you're holding in your opposite hand. You don't add the ability modifier to the damage unless that modifier is negative. I remember liking the original Quick Strike. Yeah, because really, Quick Strike was awesome. good. You can take an action and attack. That's great. That's so useful. Yeah, if you're wielding Because like, there have been so many times where James, he's just going to be my go-to example for this because he's constantly like asking this. Can, he, he'll ask me, can I attack and do a thing? And he's like, no, that's an action. For but, reference, your James or my James? Your James. Okay. Actually, my James too. But <laughs> it happens less often. Because he's not playing a monk. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. This this was just a... like The old version of it was just a great way to... Um, loosen things up. Yeah, loosen Give th- you a little bit more leeway. Loosen things up. Let the fighter do more stuff. And it's really let the fighter do more stuff when they are wielding... Like, less powerful weapons. Because, like, light weapons max out at a D6, I believe. Uh, I think there might be a D8 one, but I'm not sure. I don't believe there is. Like, cause it, oh, sorry, you're talking about uh, in this game, right? Because I don't with, know. If within that, 5e. I'm, I'm, I think there's one in 5e. Let me double check. Okay, yeah, while you're looking at that, I'll just say my piece. I'll just say my piece and assume that there isn't one. There might not be. But, yeah, like, having, having more versatile attack options, having stuff you can do with your bonus action, having... Ways to let fighters do more stuff. Because, like, how many times has it been with a martial class where they're like, all right, I'm going to run up on this guy. Use my action to run up. Now I'm here. Next turn, something will happen. Uh, so often. Yeah, just letting letting that be, letting that bonus action not be tied to an attack. Freed up the fighter to be able to do more stuff. And it wasn't, like, broken. 
Like, it's not like they could do, like, some complicated action and then also make, like, three attacks. It's just one attack. And, like, this is still 5e, so... Only crits on that 20. He's not getting, like, advantage or anything. It's just... I hit gooder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having... So, yeah, like, replacing Quick Strike with just the rules for two-weapon fighting. Sucks donkey dick. And also implies that two-weapon fighting is a fighter-exclusive thing that no one else can take. Because if that is an option you have to opt into as a fighter, that means no more dual-wielding rogues. Oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. That means nothing for anybody. Uh, moving on from there. Uh, uh, just the rapier. Is the rapier light? It's a finesse weapon. So that's I not light. That's what they mean. Light doesn't exist. Yeah, doesn't it? Short sword is the only one. Oh no, you're right. I've never looked at that tag. Yeah, light. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing exists. What? Wow, I didn't even know that was a tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because like, i've never it has never come up it's come up constantly i like the amount of like, the amount of times like like when we were playing earlier like way back when we started playing together other uh there there were a couple times where we like talked about like about like yeah using like a using like a rapier and a dagger and i'm like hey that's rule is written not allowed and you're like it should be allowed because it's dumb that it's not it is dumb that it's not like rapier and dagger has been Used for centuries. <laughs> uh, yeah, so third level, they get their fighter subclass. Get into those in a second. Improvements, plus one to ability score of their choice, and then a pre, then a uh, talent from the martial talent list. And then a fifth level multi-attack. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Spellblade. They get spells. It's the same as it was in where we talked about it before, where they get some spells, they get plus one to attack and damage rolls, and they get access to the magic talent list. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they got Weapon Master, which is their replacement for Battle Master. Uh, Mastery, still the same as last time. Choose three weapons. You can re-roll damage on them. And the stunts. So, before, with the stunts, you have, so you have stunt points instead of, yeah, instead of a dice, like the Mastery die or whatever. Uh, you have Stunt points. You go to PB plus one. Spend a point, do a thing. As you do. Yeah. Uh, before, when you first chose that uh, discipline, you chose three stunts from their list of stunts. And then chose additional ones at higher levels. Uh, now, you have access to just every stunt of your level. You don't have to choose, you just get According to this, all of them. Again, that are of your level. Yeah. Yeah, this only has up to level uh, five, so you don't get any at level five. So it looks like it's like level three, then level seven is when you get the next one. So they only have like the third level stunts here. And it gives you some versatility, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, they also have in a new one. That's one, of the, that's one of the biggest problems with casters is they have so much versatility. Even the most, even the like lowest spell list caster short of a warlock 
has more spell options than like non spellcasters have regular options. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, they also have a new stunt in here that wasn't in the previous document. Uh, that one being redirect, uh, which is when you fail to hit a target with a weapon attack, you can use your reaction to immediately re-roll the attack, selecting a different target within five feet of the original. Which, the way it's worded, it's very exploitable of being able to give your longsword reach. Well, that's kind of what lunge is. is oh, this no, is redirect, right. not lunge. Yeah, no. Like I was like, that's kind of what. No, he's not talking about lunge. <laughs> yeah, this is. Oh, I missed that attack. Oh, I missed the attack against that guy. Well, I better stretch my arm another five feet to attack the guy behind him. Because behind uh, the target is within five feet of the original target. Just, it's got to be shit like that where it's like within five feet of both you <laughs> and the target. Yeah. I was like, fuck, man. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a, like, like, oh, I got to find the exploitable stuff. But like, as you read more systems, you kind of get into that mindset of just being able to go, okay, how is this going to be, how can this be exploited? Especially when they make it easy. Yeah, that is. That is not even, that isn't even not, that isn't even misinterpreting knockback to be like, yeah, I can knock them up, right? Yeah, that's just within five feet of the original target. Includes behind the original target. Uh, so yeah. Like, I, I don't know, like, what the feedback form for this is going to look like. I've joined the Discord server for Cobalt Press, so I might just start doing feedback stuff there. But yeah. Moving on from there, rogues. So rogues. From level one through five... With the exception of subclasses, they are exactly the same. Expertise, sneak attack, thieves can't, cunning action, uncanny dodge. Uh, their, improve, their, their improvement talent, though, is the technical talent list. Which, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and now we're into the subclasses. Uh, one of them is in a good old classic, got a fresh uh, coat of paint. The other is a new one. Meant to replace the one that we joke about constantly. Okay. So it's called Enforcer. Which, it's a weird thing. So, like, they have a... For all these classes, they have, like, a quick build thing. I'm just like, hey, are you new to this and don't really know how to, like, make a character yet? Check out this little box that'll tell you, hey, prioritize this, this, and that. Go for these backgrounds. It'll give you these things. Go nuts. They say if you're planning on making an Enforcer, prioritize strength as your second highest ability score. Interesting. The abilities you get at third level don't say dick about your strength. Also interesting. Yeah, so the, fe the features you get from uh, from Enforcer are Ambush. During the first round of combat, you have advantage on the first attack roll you make against any creature in the combat. Additionally, when you make a successful attack roll against a creature with the surprised condition, it's an automatic crit. So this is just new assassin. Yeah. But also better assassin. Because old assassin, you could only get advantage on an attack roll against somebody who hadn't acted in combat yet. This, 
is just on the first round. Even if you are going last, the first attack you make in the first round of combat is still an advantage. Which is just like strictly better. Yeah, that is strictly better. Yeah, I believe they actually mentioned that uh, in like their behind the curtain or whatever the fuck they call it. Or just like, yeah, it kind of sucked that you had to like beat out somebody else for initiative. And if you don't take like the thing, then that's going to be a fucking crapshoot. So with this, it's just you will always have a first round. You know, the auto crit thing is going to come up way less often, but the rest of it will also happen constantly. Which I like. Next up, cold-blooded. Once per turn, when you drop a creature to zero hit points with a weapon attack, you can use that same weapon to make another attack against a different creature within the weapon's range. You can't add sneak attack to this, even if you didn't to the first attack. And even if normal circumstances would allow you to do so. Okay. So this is, yeah, just kind of like leading into the more like... um. This, this is the more, like, fucking just brawler, I'm gonna just roll up and stab the shit out of you kind of guy, and not, like, the, I'm gonna hide in the dark, and then, like, you'll never know where I am. This guy's like, oh, you're gonna know where I am. I'm right in the fucking front of you. Yeah. This is the guy who comes up to you and says, give me your money. And you do. Yeah, which I like. I like so many rogues, like, especially, like, the core, like, rogue subclasses. Like, two-thirds of them were, I'm going to sneak around and no one will see me. Like, fuck, even fucking technically Arcane Trickster is kind of that because their main ability is, oh, you have Mage Hand, but it's invisible. Mm, it's better Mage Hand. Yeah, with this, it actually is adding some more flavor to rogues and giving them something to do that isn't just be sneaky. Which, for Core 5e, we didn't get until fucking later books. Which is dumb. I know they have their idea of like the iconic rogue or whatever. Like a lot of things things have that. But they also just rogues encompass a wide swath of things. You can have a rogue be yeah like fucking tricky cut purse just going around fucking like just ripping people off and then stabbing them in the dark and no one fucking sees them. Other you could just have is be some just asshole who rolls in and goes hey what up talks you into giving you all their money and then leaves and you never see him again. I like variety in my classes, god dang it. So, moving on from there, The Thief. A subclass I love. That I feel like a lot of people don't go for. Or if they do, they build it wrong because they fucking think acrobatics can be used to jump and climb. Yeah. But yeah, fast hands is the same. I believe I read somewhere they're going to be like um, reworking the use an object action to actually make it make sense. But second story work is where the big change happened. So for starters, you gain a climb speed. Just flat out game climb speed. Uh, if you already had a climb speed, you increase that climb speed by 10 feet. Additionally, when you make a long jump, you can cover a number of feet equal to your walking speed if you move at least 10 feet before the jump. If you're making a standing long jump, you can move half your walking speed. Either way, it still uses movement. And 
if you are required to make a strength athletics check in order to um, clear or extend a jump, you can instead use acrobatics. Because acrobatics isn't the jumping skill normally. You fucking idiots. I say real frustrated and somewhat jokingly. He's not joking. I am joking about the fucking idiots thing. That's just, that's just playing up anger for the sake of content. But no, it's... I like this. It is like simplifying climbing for rogues. Simplifying jumping in general. Because jumping was already a thing that nobody fucking understood. And letting rogues prioritize their their dexterity and their other dexterity-based skills without having to force them to go down in athletics right if they want to, you know, make a fucking climbing guy. Yeah. Yeah, just the base climb speed is my favorite part of it. Because the climb speed is such a useful fucking ability. It's fucking great. I love it. I love... If I have a way to give a creature climb speed, I will fucking give it one. Yeah, moving on to wizards. Wizards. Fucking exactly the same as we have described up until now with other things. Magic sense. Still a really cool fucking ability. I grab arcane sense when I can. It's fun. For those who don't know, magic sense is just... As an action, you can uh, just open your mind and and within 30 feet of you, uh, know the location of creatures who can cast spells, ongoing spell effects, and magic items. You do this number of times equal to your PB plus one. Regain all uses on a long rest. It's divine sense, but for magic. And I love it. It does kind of make like the detect magic spell a bit meh. But fuck at the same time, everyone takes detect magic anyway, so might as well make it a fucking class thing. A new ability, though, at fifth level, you get rote learning. Which is, you choose one first ring arcane circle spell in your spell book. You always have it prepared. And it does not count against the number of uh, prepared spells you can spells you can prepare. It's basically spell memorization. And it seems like that's going to be like a core class thing as, as you level up, you'll be able to just memorize more spells. Presumably up to the fifth level. Or the fifth ring. Mm-hmm. Just based on like this, based on like first ring happening at fifth level. But yeah, I. That's a neat ability. It's not gonna be like super busted or anything, but I dig it. Uh, subclasses: Battle Mage. It's same as we described last time. Martial talent list. Basically, get magic rage. And a careful casting ability. I did my math wrong. But, hey, fun fucking thing I just realized about this. The, this works with shield. Oh, cool. Because that's, that's a spell of first ring or higher. Mm-hmm. And since you get an AC bonus equal to your proficiency bonus, you get high enough level, cast a first ring shield. Guess what, baby? That's plus 11 to your AC. Yeah, that's awesome for like the rest of a round that also includes resistance to bludgeoning, slashing, and piercing damage. 
just the weeniest wizard is just like, all right, cool. I wear nothing and I have a 21 AC. Come at me, bitch. What about with mage armor? Would that work? Yeah. You cast mage armor, you get that for the turn. You lead in with mage armor and then you start spamming shield. (laughs) Just fuck you. (laughs) Just make your DM quit. That's what that, that's that. (laughs) That's the, God damn it. You found a new way to get maximum AC. Fuck you. No, just every time they, every time they cast it, they just, every time they cast the DM just adds plus one to the attack modifier of the monster. Uh, it lasts for a minute by the time they get around to it. You're just like, all right, cool. That's going to be uh, I rolled a natural two. So that's a 35 to hit. <laughs> what the fuck are we playing here? Pipe? What the fuck are we playing here? Pathfinder. Like, well, this is a tree. No, we're playing. Fuck you for using it while casting shields. You little <laughs> bit piece of shit. <laughs> well, they still only deal half damage. Yeah. I've been adding one to their damage the entire time too. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't even need to do Fucker. that. You just, you just go. All right, cool. So that's uh, yeah. So you so you have the uh, slashing damage, the acid damage though. <laughs> well, the other uh, subclass is cantrip adept, which, as described before, is a cobalt press original coming from the Tome of Heroes. I I liked it then. I'm still probably gonna like it now unless they changed it. So. They did not. Yep. There you go. <laughs> yep. And those are, and those are for classes. Moving on to their lineages. So within the previous playtest document, they had um, human, elf, dwarf. In this, they have human, elf, dwarf, and furry. Sorry, beastkin. Is beast it actually kin. called furry? It's called beastkin. Okay. But you fucking know. Hey, I won't deny it. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, it's a weird thing with this. Uh, they're doing a thing you, I know you love. Beastkin reach adulthood at age five. Then they live to 20 to 30. Uh, why? Why? Because people love Aarakocris. <laughs> Not for that reason. <laughs> it's weird. The language the language around age is weird in this, and we'll get into it. I have... No, no, no. We're going to stop, because this is something I feel the need to discuss. What is it with all of these short-lived fucking races recently? Like, wizards did it. This is the one that really trips me up the most. Wizards did it to tortles. Yeah. Like, a tortle's lifespan is far and away too short for what it is. What the fuck? I Why? Think, I think I looked it up, and I think tortoises. Like, I know sea turtles live for fucking ever. But I think tortoises do have a pretty short lifespan comparatively. Okay, but no one associates it with tortoises. They associate it with, oh, they're going to live for fucking ever. Not to 25 and then, I'm an old man now. I think that was just because you've only seen, because like, how many people have played turtles with you aside from me? I've actually had a few tables like that. (laughs) Never forget that I run for, I run like 15 games. Fair Outside enough. of what I run for you. It's part of why I get burnout so often. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's dumb. Like, especially like with the short-lived things. Like, I I don't give a shit about like, you know, long-lived races or lineages. I have a problem with long-lived too, but that's more for you've been around for how long? 
So you've seen every war I'm mentioning. No, I didn't leave my house until like a century ago. Oh, God. Amy I'm actually playing an agoraphobic character right now, and it's interesting <laughs> dealing with that. Because that... he's actually like getting therapy for his traumas and like slowly working his way outside. He's he's been he's been acting remotely the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> Just like actually projecting in. Uh no, using his familiar. <laughs> Is it's been working. Is he using like the warlock thing where he can act with familiar on the same plane or is it just you've been ignoring the distance rules? Oh, no, he's actually not that far away. Like he, he lives in a carriage. Like, oh. he, has, like he, he has a, he, he lives in like one of those uh, Romany carriages kind of deals. Okay. And like the carriage is riding along and he's just like, I will see through your eyes and cast through your body and summon you again. Should you fall in that guys? We're going into a cave quick shrink down the carriage goodbye <laughs> there have been times when it's like you guys are on your own because <laughs> i couldn't follow them we have to portage <laughs> uh, but he has come out of uh his carriage once when a fight was too dangerous for the rest of the party and like he he came in and he saved the day, and the DM gave me like bonus XP because yeah, you role played that perfectly. Your character shouldn't have been able to, but he fought past it and fled to his carriage to the moment the fight was over. Cool. Yes, my way back to Beastkin. So yeah, reach adulthood at age five. <laughs> okay, though they may live nearly a century, some beast what? some Beastkin live only 20 or 30 years. Which is a wide margin of error. So you put... You, just stop listing ages, guys. Just just let us assume. It's fine. <laughs> There's no mechanical benefit. There really isn't. Like, having an age... Like, like listing explicit ages when there isn't any mechanical benefit to it, like in a Dragon Bane or a or any like free league game or in like uh, Call of Cthulhu. I could actually even see. Uh, so one of my favorite traps is an aging trap. I used it in uh, Curse Destiny. Uh, feel free to uh, watch to find out what happens there. And the only time it matters, like what a species aging profile is, is if they don't. That's it. It's the only time it matters because it just ages you up. <laughs> just like in The Sims, you go from adult to elder, period. <laughs> Doesn't matter what your species age ranges are. I could have a fucking turtle, an Aarakocra, and an elf, and they'd all become old men. <laughs> period. Oh god, I feel like I've aged five years. Five? I feel like I've aged 150. 150, I feel like I age too. <laughs> it could mean I'm about to die or I'll live for another 50 years. I don't know. What is my life? What is this hell I exist in? <laughs> oh, stop it with age. That's all we're saying. <laughs> or make age matter. Yeah, or make age matter. Make it to where if you wanted to play an old character, you'd have to modify your stats and shit. Anyway, <sighs> size. Beast can and can nothing be... that God nothing that cave. lives shorter. I'm sorry, but it's just 
If it lives shorter than 50 years, just stop. <laughs> just, just stop. stop. <laughs> no one wants to play something that dies at the age of 25. Joke's on you, fucker. I do. You're already dead. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, moving on from that. And if you interrupt me again, I will mute you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great idea to do for a two-person show. Oh, yeah. I'll just sit here dead silent for the rest of the show. Anyway, Beastkin. They can be small or medium. Not large. Fuck you. All right. I guess bears go out the window. Uh, No, bears are medium. No, they're not. For example, a medium-sized Beastkin descended from bears likely weighs upwards of 350 pounds. But, uh. Because they're bear people, not bears. There well, are elephants al- are definitely off the table. There are also medium-sized bears. Anyway, walking speed, 30 feet. They have proficiency in perception or survival. And they have natural weapons. Claws, horns, hooves, fangs, spines, or some other kind of thing that the GM says is okay. That does bludgeoning, slashing, or piercing that you decide when you choose to be a beastkin. You can use your natural weapons to make unarmed strikes. When you do so, they deal 1d6 plus your strength or dexterity, chosen a character creation um, of the chosen damage type instead of the bludgeoning damage normally done by unarmed strikes. A key thing to note here. In the previous in one of the previous playtest documents, it was said that player characters are not trained in unarmed strikes naturally. You need to take a feat in order to be able to do that. You need to get talent in order to be able to do that. Now you don't. It seems like they are just now trained in unarmed strikes whenever they want. Which, not the biggest fan of for that. Like, like maybe not have like unarmed strikes be a thing behind a like talent wall. Maybe have it be based on like your weapon proficiencies. So like if you're a wizard, you can't punch for shit because wizards don't have weapon proficiencies in this system. That'd be funny. Yeah. Or like, like if you're trained in simple weapons, you can throw a punch decently enough. I don't know. We'll see. And then the last thing for uh, B-Skin are their natural adaptation, which is one of four types of uh, B-Skin. Avian, agile, aquatic, or sturdy. If you're avian, you have a fly speed. It's equal to your walking speed. You cannot fly while wearing medium or heavy armor, and if you are carrying a load or a creature of your size or larger, you reduce your speed to half. It's simple. It's clean. Love it. Yeah. And for those of you about to complain about having to deal with flying, uh, flying players, they have to deal with your flying monsters, so shut up. Yeah. Also, just shoot them. Yeah. Just shoot them just give your monsters ways to deal ranged attacks and if you're only sending animals at your party then what the hell are you doing yeah there are plenty of flying animals too you fucking nerds like it's it's a thing that we will mention every time fucking if your players are doing things that you don't account for 
then account for them after they've done them. Learn from your mistakes yeah. and don't take it out on the players. Yeah. You're God. You can fucking do anything. Oh, I have get made it. I have completely created a gravity mage who has the spell drop to the ground. It drops any flying enemy to the ground and they just show up periodically to fuck with the party because they don't like them. Yeah, there's there's so many ways to get around players doing things that a keep things engaging and B don't punish your players. There are spells specifically for dealing with flying enemies. There are ranged attacks which are for dealing with any enemy further away from you than you'd like. You you also know what your players' abilities are. You should anyway. I actually had a player complain recently for me to look because I was looking at their character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you don't get to have secrets from me. I get to have secrets from you. That's how this works. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Anyway. They were like, but my build. Fuck your build. I'm God. Anyway. Agile. You have a climbing speed. And advantage to saves, an advantage on saves made to avoid being knocked prone. Again, simple, clean. It's good. Yeah. Aquatic, you have a swim speed equal to your walking speed and you can hold your breath for 20 minutes. Oh, I don't like that. I mean, I know like more than 20 minutes will never come up, but I feel like it's, it's just, it just give them the ability to breathe underwater. I prefer not, I prefer being able to hold your breath. Because I mean, holding it's your more, it's useful whenever you come up with against an inhaled poison or anything like that. But yeah, exactly, that's the thing. It's like it's like being able to breathe underwater is way less useful than being able to hold your breath for a long time. Like unless you are explicitly going out into an aquatic campaign from jump, there'd be no. Which real is the only time someone would pick aquatic to begin with, because. <sighs> Number of times I've wanted to play shit like Tritons and then been told by the rest of the party, oh, that'll be completely useless. So you tell them, hey, go fuck yourself and make the best character. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they're like, but you still never had to breathe underwater. Yeah, neat. I lived. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, then finally, sturdy. When you aren't wearing armor, you have an AC of 13 plus dex. Additionally. Nice. Additionally. That's that's studded leather, right? Uh, that's better than studded leather. Yeah, studded leather is only plus 12. Yeah. Nice. Additionally, you count as one size larger when determining carrying capacity and the weight you can push or drag. Oh, yeah. He's I a, like that. He's a beefy boy. I'm a beefy boy. <laughs> I could just imagine, like, the sneakiest rogue is actually, like, a sturdy uh, beastkin. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> and wait, hold. Mm. Okay. I would need a ruling on this. But depending on how it works, if you're, if using your decks for your unarmed strike with your natural weapon counts, could you sneak attack with your horns? No. What if you could? <laughs> If you could, that'd be fucking busted. But I, I can't. I can't remember the exact language for their sneak attack. It's ranged but... weapons or weapons using finesse property. Yeah, the finesse so... property is described as the, the the explicit wording of finesse property is you can use strength or dex for this weapon attack. If you can, if you can use strength or dex for your horn attacks, then yes, you you, you could you could sneak attack gore somebody. 
chosen that char- be- chosen that character creation the the hit the time to hit is dex plus is uh one one d six plus your strength or dex determined when you choose it. Oh, I I know it is not explicitly stated as finesse, but it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Mm. <laughs> just, just uh, how did you do that? It's like you have these massive horns growing out of the side of your head, and you sneakily hit somebody with them. It's like, shh, be very quiet. I'm going, somebody. <laughs> oh! I said, be quiet. Snap his neck. <laughs> I'm an enforcer. I have advantage on this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh. We have, we have fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> We've been friends too long is what it is. Too long. Anyway, let's move on to dwarves. So dwarves are fucking medium. God damn it. <laughs> you literally cannot be a small dwarf with these rules. Good. These fucking assholes. Hey, shorty. Walk over there and break your fucking ankles. <laughs> anyway, these dwarves have a base walking speed of 30. Which is different. It's a bump. Yeah, it's better. I and never understood why dwarves are always the slowest ones. Because they're stocky, they're cubes. He's like, oh, oh catch up to you, don't worry. Throw me! I can't. You weigh as much as a regular sized person. The number of the number of fastball dwarves I've encountered in my lifespan. <sighs> anyway, so let's talk about dwarf age because it's fucking weird. Oh no! Because of the specifically because of the way they worded it. So, live about three hundred fifty years. Considered young till they reach age fifty. Dwarves are physically mature around age 20, though. What? I don't know. They did the same thing with elves, though. Because elves reach physical maturity around age 20. But with elves, it's even worse. Because they explicitly state... Mental and emotional faculties reach full maturity around the age of 100. Meaning you have a fully physically developed elf at age 20 who is like mentally a child. No. Uh, Okay, so adult humans are not considered fully mentally developed until 21 and in some cases even older. So... Like, I can kind of understand that. It's uh, still fucking weird to mention. Especially because they're, like, considered adults at 18, but depending on what aspect of biological science you look at, they could be physically mature as early as, like, 17 or as late as, like, 25 to 30. Humans are weird, and I can kind of almost understand where they're coming from with that. Then why is that, then why is that specific wording... Not mentioned for any other lineage. Yeah, I don't know. The fact that it says physical maturity at 20 and then a span of 80 years where the mental and emotional faculties aren't mature yet. 
what purpose does that serve? I, I, I'm not saying that it makes sense or trying to justify it. I'm trying to say, like, I can see where they might be coming from. And then with humans, they just say, yeah, they reached adulthood the late teenage years, lived about 100. Bye bye. Like, just the wording <sighs> around all of their age shit is so weird. And I don't get why they bring it up. Like, fuck, man. So weird. Anyway, elves and humans, they're basically the same. <laughs> now we move on to heritages. So, in the first playtest document for Project Black Flag before it was called Tales of the Valiant, they put out six heritages. Uh, each of them linked to one of the three lineages. So, dwarves had Fire Forge and Stone, elves had Cloud and Grove, and humans had Nomadic and Cosmopolitan. Yeah, because they won't get crunk. <laughs> <laughs> Though, so there's I don't know if I made that joke last time, but it feels like a joke I've I made think, multiple times. I think you just laughed. <laughs> I think last time I said the words cosmopolitan, you just started laughing. Anyway, yeah, so how they're doing like the uh, race-sub-race system with this is that they're going to be having lineage, which is your like genetics. And then heritage, which is the community you were raised in. There is recommended. There's recommendations for these, so like it's not like it's not like oh yeah, this is the human like right here's human here's the human heritages. Here's the dwarf dwarf heritage. It's just here are the lineages. Here are the heritages. This is these are the recommendations. But anything can go with anything. I like that. Yeah, I like that. You could be a human raised by elves or dwarves and have elf or dwarf abilities. You could be a beastkin raised by humans and be a nerd. But yeah, so there have been a couple of changes to uh two abil- to two of these heritages. Uh specifically Cosmopolitan, which before Cosmopolitan was while you are in a city or urban environment, you could not get lost except by magical means. And now it's while you're in a city or urban environment, you're self-entitled. Uh you have advantage on ability checks to avoid getting lost, and checks made to find a particular kind of business or other destination open to the public. That is a weird ability layout. Like, do you... Like, one part of that ability sounds interesting, and... Not, not, sorry, not interesting. One part of that ability sounds like I've heard it used before. Because I've I'm never... I'm just not sure how that would ever be useful. Well, if you want to try to find somebody who's selling a thing that's pretty rare, you have an advantage of making the check to go find it. It's like, hey, I'm looking for this specific kind of store. All right, make investigation with advantage. That will come up less often than the fucking <laughs> turn on debt. I've seen that come up a lot. I've never seen anybody get lost in a city, though. Anytime I've seen that come up, I've had a player go, is it possible that I could just ask somebody about this? And I'll be like, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, and they'll like, ask a guard. So yeah. long as what they're doing isn't illegal, they'll just ask a guard. Yeah, the investigation checks that I've seen have been specifically to ask the people. Because you get in a fucking big enough city, you ask somebody, hey, where's this really obscure shop nobody's ever heard of? 
yeah, the other part of that thing is that you can't be surprised in an urban environment unless you are asleep or otherwise incapacitated. I mean, in an urban campaign, that'd be really fucking useful. Yeah. How many urban campaigns have we played in? I've actually played in several urban campaigns. Personally, uh, I really enjoy them because it's a very different perspective on the whole fantasy adventure genre. Yeah, it really is. And it's cool. And I want to try doing it. But it's also really hard on the DM. Yeah, because you have to make a whole fucking city. You have to make and maintain a whole fucking city. Because a good DM knows shit's going on in the background. And with a city campaign, you can't just have the shit that's going on be half a continent away. <coughs> yeah. Curse destiny. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that like making a single city is a lot harder than making a continent. I think it's the level of detail you have to get into in a single city. Yeah. Cause, cause like with, cause like with everything else, I literally could not tell you a single fucking defining characteristic of any of the cities we've been to. In your game. And that's not like that, a that's like a DM skill no, that, thing. That, that's that's that, just that, us. that's absolutely fair. Like I love that uh like in the, the I uh dead edits and we post things like long time after we finish them. So in the latest Curse Destiny, I got to listen to James keep calling the port city a town. Even though I corrected him every time. Anyway, so yeah, moving on to the Fireforge heritage. This is probably, in terms of just like minimax stuff, the best because you gain resistance to fire damage. Oh, the most common damage type? Who would want that? I have no idea. Hey, why is everyone playing different lineages, but you all were raised by dwarves? I don't know. And you're all barbarians or <laughs> uh, the war wizard for some reason. <laughs> yeah, we're all war wizards. <laughs> battle mage party let's go dude dude i would be up for playing that in in, uh, in my james's next game that should be fun <laughs> we're all just different types of wizards <laughs> should be broken as hell yeah dude oh my god anyway so yeah the main change for this is expert artisan uh before you got a uh, proficiency with your choice of glass blowers or smith's tools and then gained expertise with those now you only get expertise in smith tools. Which I'm not the biggest fan of. Like, I wasn't the biggest fan of original expert artisan just because, like, yeah, smith's tools are neat. And no one has ever used glassblower's tools in their fucking life. I'm going to put my hand down. It's trying to raise itself, but I'm going to put my hand down. You've, you've taken them. You've never used them. I have. I have used them, oh, <laughs> and I've used them effectively in a like in an in-game scenario too. It was stupid. Oh, you, it was so you know. dumb. You genuine nightmare of a person. Says the guy who builds a warlock without Eldritch Blast. That's not a nightmare. That's <clears throat> just building suboptimally. It's a nightmare for a min-max like me. <laughs> yeah, we'll get fucked. <laughs> But no, just like, hey, expert artisan. You are an expert artisan in exactly one thing. Like, I I know it makes sense for, like, the Fireforge and what have you. But, like, bruh, people do woodworking in fucking smithies. There are other tools that are good to do stuff with. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, fire resistance is great. 
I want to make baskets. I'm a weave, motherfucker. Yeah, and then I'm going to sell those baskets, but secretly have them filled with poison so that the people die and I can go get the baskets back and then sell them to other people. Oh. Uh... Hey, don't worry about it, bruh. I'm just doing this to Remember make 15, the time when we I'm doing ran this to make 15 the, uh, gold pieces. Remember when we ran the bag of holding scam? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was great. If your GM is cool with it, and you're playing an artificer who can make a bag of holding for free every long rest, with the with the caveat that the old bag of holding stops working, make a bag of holding, give it to a high charisma character. Have them sell Yo. it to somebody. Have it to sell it. Have them sell it to somebody, and the next day make a new one. Old one shuts off. You're already out of town, bro. You're up probably at least a hundred gold. Yeah. And then what are they gonna do? Look for the fucking weirdo who sold. Look, look for the fucking weirdo who sold them that fucking bag of holding. Like what? A month ago when you come back to that town. That's why you have the high charisma for the disguise kit, dude. Exactly. And the sob story. <laughs> Fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> Wasn't it, it was it was like my daughter got kidnapped and I need to pay the ransom or some shit. Yeah, something like that. And the bag of holding looked like a piece of shit. It was so dumb. It was so dumb and it worked. Oh, my favorite part was when those bandits tried to rob us. <laughs> and we got their money too. Yeah. Uh, and then I asked a question and the campaign ended. Uh-huh. I've done that twice, I think. I don't feel good about it. Anyway. So yeah, moving on to the new heritages. Uh, first, there is the Slayer heritage. Which is, you're hunting. You protect ecosystems. You do... You do hunter stuff. It's the druid without being a druid. Yeah, so... You get three, you get three abilities. Sorry, two abilities with this. And then languages. Uh, so you get ferocity. You have proficiency in intimidation. Any non-magical beast whose challenge rating is equal to or lower than your PB that targets you with an attack must first make a wisdom check contested by your intimidation. I've been watching way too many speed runs recently. If you succeed, the beast has to choose a new target or lose the attack. If you fail, it attacks normally. If you attack or deal damage to the creature... Or cast a spell that affects the hostile creature. This effect ends for all beasts that can see or hear you. Interesting. So it's effectively a non-magic animal sanctuary. I like it. And because of the way they're doing tags, this can also affect potentially owl bears. What was that noise for? That was pain. That was pain. Why pain? Because I'm still pissed about the D&D movie and then turning into an owlbear and then justifying it by changing the rules. And Well, good Well, good news for you. This is, technically speaking, not D&D. <laughs> In the most technical way imaginable, this is kind of legally not D&D. But anyway, they also get Tracker with this, uh, which is yet 
you have your even if you're not trained in survival, you have PB with you can add your PB to survival rules. And if you have proficiency in the skill or tool being used, get expertise. And then from your heritage, you know, common in one additional language, typically primordial. And the other one is the Wildlands heritage. Which is you're a weird dude who lives out in the woods, you're a hermit. So you have beast affinity. Using gestures and sounds, you can communicate simple ideas with beasts, including monsters that ought to have the animal tag, presumably. And you have an advantage on checks made to interact with non-hostile beasts. And you have Shepherd's Gift. You gain, you gain proficiency in animal handling. Any non-magical beast whose CR is equal to or less than your PB uh, must that goes to attack you must make a wisdom check contested by your animal handling. If you succeed, the same thing. They're effectively the same two abilities. Just one's intimidation-based, one is uh, animal handling-based. Mm. Which, not the super, super biggest fan of, because, I don't know, just wanted some variety there. It's still early days. Yeah, it's still early days. This is this is the final preview. But I think that just means it's like the final. I mean, they're going into the alpha, right? Right. Yeah, so. th yeah. Alpha isn't out yet. They still have two to three more playtests to come out. I believe this is just final, and that this is what the book's going to look like effectively. Just here's like the design and the. Uh, it's just like the aesthetic of the book. Yeah. They get languages common and one additional one, typically Sylvan, but it's your choice. Then we move into backgrounds. Uh, backgrounds they are different in this in terms of uh there's like kind of layout not from like previous black black stuff just for people who haven't if you're coming into this new uh backgrounds in this they get a list of skills to choose from they get their um, additional proficiencies of like tools or instruments or vehicles or what have you their little bag of equipment and then every single background gets 10 gold pieces so you don't have people cheesing it and choosing noble every time because it gives them the most gold Which, that's just nice. Uh, they also get a talent. Uh, which is, you have a list of three to choose from for each background. But, these are customizable. There's a little thing saying customize background. Which is, you can, which uh, to customize it, you replace one talent with any other. Choose any two skills. And choose a total of two tool proficiencies or languages from the other sample backgrounds. You can use either equipment package from your background or trade the cost of the equipment uh, for uh, from your background for items of equivalent value from the equipment list. And there is adventuring motivation. Um, within 5e, they had the, uh, they had the like uh, bonds, flaws, uh, other thing. I don't remember. It was bonds, flaws, and something. Ideals. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they have bonds, flaws, and ideals, which no one fucking used. I was literally about to just look it up because I was like, no one in my groups used it, but I did know someone who loved them because it gave them a framework for RP, which, I mean, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, they are being replaced in Tales of the Valiant with Adventuring Motivation, a, si a single table that just tells you, hey, you're from this background. These are the most likely reasons you would leave to go be an adventurer. Which won't go through all of them, 
but it's neat. I like it. It's simplified, and it also ties more into backstory as opposed to um, what your character currently is. Because that's kind of the thing I don't like about it. There's, like, having... Like, A, having with your ideals, having an alignment tied to them. And then having uh, things that technically come from your backstory, but not really, that informed who you currently are. Because I have no idea what the fuck a character I'm playing is until I've played him for, like, three years. Bit of a hyperbole, but you know what I mean. I hope. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. I am quite the opposite in that I've usually written down the entire backstory. I, get, I have actively gotten to the point where it's like, do you want one line, one paragraph, five pages? No, like I write down the backstory stuff. It's just, that's what I mean. Like having this as a jumping off point for that will make it easier for me. And it will allow me to figure out who the character is now. Yeah, but what that's what I'm saying is like, and that completely informs me of who they are. Okay. I know who the character is by writing out their entire backstory because I it's not just and then this event happens and this event happens. It's all right. And actually having the character interact with NPCs who I have just come up with off the top of my head. Ugh. Yeah, like 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 the backstory does inform a lot of stuff, but there are also still things that happen naturally through the course of RP that just as it becoming the character. Like Zirian. I didn't build him with the intent that he hates naming things. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a character uh, trait that I did not see coming. Neither did I. But I don't like naming things in real life. I just kind of came about. Because like, hey, we made a boat. I don't want to name it. I don't care. Why would I care? I already built it. You gotta name it, though. Fuck, Fuck you. you. <laughs> I'm gonna go do something useful. Anyway. So yeah, uh, previous things had listed uh, two backgrounds, uh, the scholar and the soldier. Those are the same. But this has two new backgrounds, the adherent and the outcast. Uh, and we'll just go through those because they're new. Adherent. This is uh, I probably a, a replacement for acolyte because you have acolyte was always weird to me. Yeah, so with this you have a singular devotion, uh, be it to a quote faith, belief, or cause. If you serve a god, there's that. You could be um, an adherent of a secret society. You could just have a strong sense of duty. <laughs> you said duty. <laughs> you said sense. What? Don't worry about it. Anyway, skill proficiencies. Uh, you get your you get choice of two from history, investigation, religion, or persuasion. You get proficiency with a calligrapher's tool, calligrapher supplies, and one type of tool or instrument. And then a prayer book or ceremonial dagger, a reliquary, a block of fragrant incense, vestments, a set of common clothes, and ten gold pieces. And a talent, because backgrounds all come with talents. That is one thing I love about backgrounds, is they give you something that like seems kind of useless usually. Yeah. But it's something to like flavor your character at the very least. Yeah. You got some stuff. And the number of times that there is actually a use for it is interesting. Like the way I'd use that fragrant instance is, Hey, if you guys smell this burning, I'm in trouble. 
<laughs> so that way the party at least has like an additional clue if you get separated. Oh, I smell myrrh. Fuck. Or it could be like in my games where nobody writes them down, including any of their abilities they get from their backgrounds, and it's completely useless. Hey. Yes? I'm gesturing at myself. You're an exception to everything, dude. Come on, man. You know this. We are each other's exceptions to most things we talk about in TTRPGs. We, we are. God, it's so good that we have a good group now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like we're the freaks anymore. No. Anyways, yeah. Um, with uh, Adherent, you can get your choice of Field Medic, Mental Fortitude, or Ritualist. We'll get into what those are in a bit. Uh, and then Outcast is it's the Outcast. That's a 5e thing. You know what it does. You know how it do. You're some fucking riffraff street rat. I will say no more because I don't want to get sued by Disney. Yeah, skill proficiency is you get two of your choice from Deception, Insight, Sleight of Hand, Stealth. A game proficiency with one type of gaming set and one of the following. A Disguise Kit, a Poisoner's Kit, or Thieves Tools. And then you also get, um, for equipment, a dark cloak and a set of dark common clothes, a silver coin given to you by a kind stranger, and ten gold pieces. And then you have your choice for talents of aware, hand-to-hand, or touch of luck, which we'll get into. Uh, and then soldier, that's basically the same, except you now have the uh, field medic um, talent as part of your talent list. And now let's get into talents. So there are a bunch in this document, including some new ones, as well as some changes to some old ones. So uh, let's just go through um, talent. Let's go through the talent list uh, by you know talent list. Starting with the magical talents, combat casting got a change. So combat casting, for those who don't know, was warcaster. It was literally just hey, here's a warcaster, but they made it a lot better in. Early things, yeah, where you automatically succeeded at con saves if the uh, DC for the con save, DC for the concentration check was lower than your spell casting DC. Which, yeah, wasn't great. <laughs> In terms of giving you a reason not to take this. A new one changed that bit up slightly, where you now automatically see con saves to maintain concentration if the DC for the concentration check is lower than or equal to 8 plus your PB. Which doesn't scale as fast with uh, your thing. Can't be like exploited a lot of, in a lot of ways where it's like doing things to like bump up your DC. And I like it a lot more. It still is kind of like an auto-take feat for, for uh, spellcasters. See, people say that, but I never took combat caster on any of my spell casters. I remember last time I mentioned this you then were like yeah that's a fucking auto take that, the one the, I don't I don't remember exactly what you mentioned before but uh, like, old one was automatically see if it if the DC is lower than your spell casting DC oh yeah no that's an auto take yeah this is a plus PB so levels one through four if the DC is less than if the DC is 10 or less auto succeed which at those lower it's levels, still really good. Yeah, at those lower levels is going to be most of them, because yeah, like assuming, it's still optimal to take it. Yeah. It's just 
assuming the rules haven't changed for concentration checks, half damage or 10, whichever is higher, at low levels, it's usually just going to be DC 10. Because mm-hmm. if you're going up against fuckers that can deal 20 points of damage at low level, then your yeah, DM you, wants to kill you. Yeah, you have more important things to worry about than whether or not you're going to succeed your con save. Like whether you should be playing at that table. Yeah. Because it sounds like your DM's bullying you. Uh, I had a DM drop 40 damage on my level 4 character once. They did not survive. The DM or the character? The DM. I'm joking. No, the (laughs) character. And then I was like, why did you do that to my character? There was no way he could survive. Because how's it fuck you, bud? Yeah, it was. Hey, yeah, your character was literally making everyone else feel completely inadequate. And I was like, oh, fair. I'll build a weaker one. (laughs) Here comes my barbarian. (laughs) I don't play barbarians. Yet. No, I just, I don't enjoy the play style. Anyway, mental fortitude. This talent has gone through the most changes because apparently the first time they wrote it, people didn't understand what the fuck it meant. <laughs> so how, how it was worded the first time is once per long rest, when you fail an int, whiz, or charisma save, you can choose to re-roll the save and take the new result. You must declare your intention to re-roll before the results of the save are resolved. Then they did. They, they printed that again in the second uh, playtest packet, where it now says, "Once per long rest, when you fail an int wizard wizard, wizard chaw save, you could choose chaw. to re- yeah, you could choose to reroll the save and take the new result. You must declare your intention to reroll after you've learned you have failed, but before the GM has resolved the consequences for the roll." Oh, that's gonna get hand waved a lot. <laughs> yep. It now says, once per long rest, when you fail an int, whiz, or chaw save, you can choose to re-roll the save and take the new result. Just clean up a bit, make it a bit simpler. Just know, hey, you know you failed. Then you re-roll. Uh, they also changed up the secondary effect. Which, before it was like if you fail a thing that uh, gives you, like, originally... If you are affected by an ongoing spell or magical effect due to failing one of those mental saves, you can repeat the save at the end of each of your turns and this effect on a success, even if the magical effect normally wouldn't allow you to do so. Uh, The second iteration was if you are affected by an ongoing spell or magical effect that targets only you, not an AoE, due to failing one of those mental saves, you can repeat the save at the end of each turn and the effect on a success, even if the ongoing effect uh, would not typically allow you to do so. And now it is, if an ongoing effect causes you to be charmed, frightened, or stunned due to failing a save, you can repeat the save at the end of each of your turns, ending the uh, condition on a success, even if the effect would not typically allow you to do so. I like this version better. Yeah, it's a lot more clearly written. It's a lot more clearly written, and it's also a lot broader. Mm -hmm. Because now, this can work off shit like Monk's stunning strike. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because that makes you stunned, but it but it doesn't require a con int or whiz save. Sorry, it doesn't require an int whiz or charisma save. So now yeah, they just do That's just better. I like it. 
Uh, da, 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 da. Artil- so moving on from there to the Marshall list. Uh, artillerist. They changed that up. Uh, artillerist beforehand had you had, you had advantage on attack rolls made with siege weapons and other projectile launching objects you operate. Your GMS final say on what falls into that category. Now it is large sized or larger projectile launching objects and weapons. That's still stupid. It's still stupid and still very specific. And it is also still, you have to talk to your GM about what constitutes that, which I'm never a fan of. I am never a fan of, here is the explicit rules text, GM has final say. Just make it fucking explicit about what your goddamn's doing. I want the shit to be simpler. Clarity, my friends. Clarity. Yep. Anyway, uh, combat conditioning. This has been changed up a bit. So it's still your hit point maximum increases by two for each level you had previous to gaining this feat, to gain this talent. Each time you gain a new level, your HP maximum increases by two as well. And whenever you roll a hit die to recover HP, you can ignore die rolls lower than your PB and instead treat those dice as if you had rolled a number equal to your PB. That's awesome. Yes. This is a significant change from last time, which was it bumped up your hit die to one size larger than your class typically has. Which is okay, I guess. Yeah, which would give wizards a D8 instead of a D6. If you had a D12, go fuck yourself, barbarian. <laughs> Why is the barbarian taking this? I want to be the meatiest of boars. Yeah, that's just. I want to be the. I want to be the sorcerer who has more HP than the paladin. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) That's just better. Uh, Yeah, it is just better. Strictly better. Hand to hand, got another change. This is changes so much. So now. So I'll just, I'll just go through all versions. Original hand-to-hand. You're not proficient with unarmed strikes. If you're medium, uh, unarmed strikes deal D6 plus strength. If you're small, D4 plus strength. You also have advantage to escape grapples and initiate, and initiate grapples. Second hand-to-hand. Proficient in unarmed strikes. All unarmed strikes deal D6 plus strength. Size, not variable. Advantage on grapple checks. And now, in Tales of the Valiant, Unarmed strikes deal a D4 plus strength as opposed to standard one plus strength. Advantage on escapes. Advantage on grapple stuff. I don't. Are you proficient with unarmed strikes normally or aren't you? You made a big thing, Cobalt Press. You had a massive fucking block of text underneath it explaining that it's a deviation for 5e core fantasy role playing. You are not automatically proficient with unarmed strikes. Bruh. Also, I guess just they changed their mind. I don't know, dude. Also, I just don't see hand to hand being real. I see people taking hand to hand for the grapple stuff and not for the unarmed strikes. Agreed. Uh, from there, physical fortitude. New. Martial talent. 
So with this, you gain the following benefits. Once per long rest, when you fail a strength or con save, you can re-roll the save and take the new result. Not dexterity, though. Just, if, if you want to be dexter, if you want to be dexterous, you eat ass. Eat ass, ass eaters. Get shitted on professionally. And, following effect, if an ongoing effect causes you to be blinded, deafened, paralyzed, or poisoned due to failing a save, you can repeat the save at the end of each of your turns, any of the, success, any of the condition on a success, even if the effect would not typically allow you to do so. It's the mental fortitude, but for your body. Woohoo! It's pretty good. Yeah. I could see someone taking, like, I assume there's also going to be a dexterous fortitude or something for, you know, like, I like I assume there's going to be a fortitude for each of these kinds of deals. I'm assuming not for dex because so many things are avoided by dex saves. True. But yeah, I could see someone taking both of those feats to try and build, like, the ultimate tank or something. Battle wizard gets both. Yeah, I could totally see. Uh, uh, the arcane fighter, whatever it's called. I can't remember its name off the top of my uh, head. Spellblade. They get both too, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I could see those two builds being like popular amongst the save tankers. Or fuck it. Choose a background that gives you mental fortitude and choose a barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> Go fucking nuts. Oh, Go fucking yo. nuts with it, dude. <laughs> I work out my brain so hard. I was born with good brain. I built good body. Yeah, just doing just like just doing like just like deadlifts and Sudoku at the same time. Uh, third box cross. That's seven. Hit a new PR. Hit a new PR in both my benches and being able to be able to clear Sudoku in under two minutes, brother. I did. Super extreme for first time today. <laughs> Only one number in super extreme. <laughs> it's a single number. <laughs> <laughs> I want to build this barbarian. <laughs> uh, He's the smartest buff boy. <laughs> anyway, other new talents. Ranged oh. weapon mastery, which appears to be a replacement of sharpshooter. And crossbow expert. Oh. Okay. So, you get the following benefits. No disadvantage at long range with ranged weapon attacks. No disadvantage while within five feet of a creature with ranged weapon attacks. Okay, I like that. Ranged weapons ignore cover. I mean, it eliminates the massive bonus that everyone fixated on, but the rest of it's awesome. Yeah, that's just fucking good. Like, I hated taking crossbow expert as a ranged fighter because i was like i'm using a fucking longbow why do i have to take crossbow expert yeah now i'm just... getting one benefit but i need it because somebody keeps throwing barbarians in my face now james yeah. now with ranged weapon mastery it works with daggers and hand axes and fucking guns which is awesome fuck sling builds baby <laughs> i love slings it's so useless, and I love them. Ah, <sighs> just a dagger with better range deals bludgeoning. <laughs> I want to punch somebody from really far away, but I, <laughs> but I, and I don't have a boxicle to put in the end of this bow and arrow. 
oh well, I got these two pieces of leather. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I love this. I love this talent. Uh, and then two weapon mastery. So, while wielding two different weapons, you have a plus one to AC. You can use the bonus action granted to you by two weapon fighting, even if your weapons aren't light. Similarly, you are no longer restricted to light while using the quick strike martial action, which implies that two weapon fighting is a thing is a thing that exists for all classes, which means the quick strike martial action is even more useless. Christ. It was already good. You didn't need to try to fix it again and make it worse. Anyway, you can also draw and stow two one-handed weapons at the same time. It would normally take for you to draw or stow a single weapon. How long is... Yeah, what amount of time is that? Was the action That's economy? What I was about to ask. Who can say? Nobody knows. It's a mystery. It's a fucking enigma. Enigma balls. Wang. On to technical talents. <laughs> oh, no. A new one. Aware. With it, you get the following benefits. When you roll for initiative, you can treat any die, any d20 roll of 9 or lower as a 10. You miss out on just the plus fucking 5 to whatever, but you also are guaranteed at least a, depending on how you build it, like a 13. Assuming, assuming things go bad for you, Minimum 13 on initiative rolls. As long as you are conscious, you cannot be affected by the surprise condition. And hidden targets do not have advantage on attack rolls made against you. I dig it. Yeah, it's okay. It's a it's a very much a lateral move from the old alert feat. But, you know, it feels different enough while still being pretty good anyway dungeoneer it's it's the dungeon thing Whoa. you have an advantage on ability checks made to find secret doors or traps uh traveling at fast pace doesn't impose the minus five penalty to perception score and you have advantage on saves made to avoid and resist traps and dungeon hazards it is very it's very weirdly worded in that i think this also in that like i believe the old dungeon delver thing only applied in dungeons I might just be misremembering that. I don't even recall because I never took. The f I, I, I saw it, read it once and was like, this feed is completely useless and never acknowledged it again. Oh, let me check. Oh, nope. this was just that was also. Yeah, it's the exact same as Dungeon Delver. Oh, except slightly worse because Dungeon because Dungeon Delver. Also gave you resistance to damage dealt by traps. Not just in dungeons, just flat. Same with this. But yeah, it's it's situationally interesting and kind of useful, but ultimately no one's going to take it. Uh, field medic, another new feat. Talent. Sorry, I got to get used to saying talent. Mm-hmm. So, two abilities you get with this. When you stabilize a dying creature using first aid, that creature regains a hit point. And 
As an action, you can tend to the wounds of a creature you can see and touch. When you do so, the creature recovers a number of HP equal to twice their con modifier. Creature Heal This Way cannot receive this benefit, cannot receive the benefit of this feature again until it completes a short or long rest. That's just pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, like I'm I'm try I'm I'm looking at it from the perspective of seeing if I can break it. <laughs> And sadly, I ju it's just one of those. I don't know the system well enough to, to decide whether or not I can break these things. Well, it's five e. You say that, but we can't be sure what they're keeping. Fair enough, but I think it's just strictly. I think it's just like it. Well, a makes healing easier, and b. It opens up healing to non-cleric classes, like non-paladin stuff. You can have you can have a barbarian healer. Yeah, you could. Like it's not gonna be the best healing, but you know what it is gonna do? Fucking save somebody's ass and gonna back up. Like it, it'll get a body back into a fight, and it will allow some amount of healing in between long rests. In between short rests and long rests. Like it's not gonna be the best. But hey, how many times have we been in fucking fights and like a point of damage has been like the differentiating between us going down and us staying up? Oh, it's part of the reason why I always insisted you guys listen to my 10 minute speech, but you guys kept wanting to not. So I was like, okay, don't you don't get that benefit. You didn't need to. You, you, you could just say I gave a 10 minute speech. You don't have to actually give a 10 minute speech. I did just say I gave a 10 minute speech, but you guys kept being like, you got, you guys kept being assholes. So I was like, yeah, no, no, never mind. <laughs> not dealing with this today. I also fully don't remember any of this happening. I know it did, but I don't remember any of it. It was like straight up. I. Yeah, I know. I know. I obsess over the wrong things. It's cool. Anyway. Polyglot. They changed it a little bit. Uh, how, poly how polyglot works is you take, you choose three languages, none of which are common and you know them, and you have an advantage on a charisma ability checks made to interact with non-hostile creatures for whom any of those three languages you chose are their primary language. How it works now, you gain advantage on a single charisma check uh, made to influence and interact with one of these creatures that has that as their primary language, and you can only do that once per long rest. I get why they did it, Flavor-wise, I don't understand why you can only be charismatic once a day. I've hit my pretty limit. This isn't even a pretty thing. This is entirely a language thing. <laughs> it's like I am I am able to speak 50 words of halfling a day. Any more and I uh, any more in my accent just falls apart. I get a migraine, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Can't hold it together <laughs> anymore. Uh someone uh, else speak to them. What do you mean no one else can speak this language? You fucking shitters. Oh, I can't do it. My head hurts too much. It's like, oh, my latent racism makes me unable to speak this language more than five minutes a day. I can't pretend to be polite anymore. You sack of shit with your stupid gobbledygook. <laughs> Why don't you grow three more feet? You use this piece of shit. You're in common Erica. Speak common. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's, that part got too real. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. 
trade skills. A feat. Talent. Damn it. <laughs> a talent that will... That no one will ever take and that I kind of love. Mm, lay it on me, brother. So, uh, yeah, it's changed up a bit. Uh, so with it, you can following benefits. Gain proficiency with one skill and one type of tool or vehicle relevant to your chosen profession. Alternatively, gain proficiency with two types of vehicles or tools relevant to your chosen profession. Whenever you make an ability check that use where the use of a tool and the use of a skill would both apply to the check, you're proficient with both the tool and the skill, and you make the check with advantage. Okay. Sorry, my fucking wording on that was awful. Let me, let me start from the beginning with that ability. When you make an ability check where the use of a tool and the use of a skill would both apply to the check, and you're proficient with both the tool and the skill, you can make the check with advantage. Yeah, I would take that shit in a heartbeat. So would I. That is the only ones. <laughs> that is that is a new part. So that's a new part of that talent, and that makes the talent so much more complicated. It does, because it's constantly gonna be like, "All right, uh, I'm I'm a carpenter." So could I chisel grips into the walls to climb as I do my athletics check? You're like, no, fuck you. So the way so the way they uh, so their example in this is if a character is proficient with nature and an herbalism kit, they have advantage on ability checks to made to identify plants. I mean, that's a more boring answer, but yeah, that makes sense. But also, fuck. Man, this is so needlessly convoluted. This is ask your DM the whole game. Yeah. Hey, I have this tool and this ability check, and I'm proficient with both of them. Can I have advantage on this thing? What do you mean? What do you mean no? What do you mean stop asking? <laughs> I don't ask for everything. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. You asked if you asked if your navigator's tools and your survival <laughs> gave you the ability to always know where a city is. <laughs> well, yeah, it just makes sense, right? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you can't even read. <laughs> you have an int of four. Yeah, but tracking's wisdom based. Oh, uh, the number of players I've had dump dump shit and be like, oh, I'm going to do the smart thing. And I'm like, how? How's the boot? Go fuck yourself, eh? Anyway. Uh, then the final new um, talent, a uh, technical talent for this thing is well-rounded. Which I haven't been mentioning them because they've been... We've talked about them before. But within the magic talent list and within the martial talent list, they had two abilities called uh, mental prowess and physical prowess. Mm -hmm. Which was ability score improvements. With mental prowess, mm -hmm. you can choose your charisma, intelligence, wisdom, bump it up by one to a maximum of 20. You can take it multiple times. With... Um, with physical prowess, strength, dex, or con, bump by one, up to maximum 20, take it multiple times. Just if, yeah, just if none of the talents were speaking to you and you just wanted to go, I just want to fucking get this, I get, want to get my ability scores as high as possible, that's how you do it. It's a valid play style. Um, you're wrong, but if you want to do it, go ahead. Yep. If, you're, if, you have, if you have access to the technical talent list, you have well-rounded, 
increase any ability score by one to a maximum of 20. You can take this talent multiple times, but you must choose a different ability each time you take it. Interesting. Yep. Just Which nice. means a cap of six times. Yeah. Which, cap. I mean, that's that's not a hard cap. I don't think you're going to be spending... Oof, excuse me. I almost threw up there. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it was one of those burps that's like, we're going to carry everything from breakfast with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of those, um, one of those burps that had, like, texture to it. It's like, oh, that was uh, wet. <laughs> but like, you're not going to be taking this every level, so it's not even a, oh, yeah, I wanted to take this, and now I can't because I only have this many abilities to raise. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Yeah. It, it's fine. Yeah. Though, so, is it... I mean, it's possible to start with a 20, so... Uh, it is not. As long as they're using... So... We- Within, within Tales of the Valiant, it is not possible to start with a 20. Okay. So then this feat doesn't need the to a cap of 20. No, it does. Because you can still, no. you can still raise it to, like, like, level 1, you can't have a 20. Beyond that, you can. But how are you... Is there another way to raise stats? Yeah. Every single time you get it... Every time you get an improvement... You get an ability boost and a talent. Okay, then never mind. Yeah, every yeah every time you get an ability boost, you increase one ability by one, and then you can take a talent. If you want to increase ability by two, then you take either like the they take either the prowesses or well rounded. But in general, it's going to be it's going to be you get a special talent that does some neat stuff, and then also an ability score improvement. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh so luck is still a thing. I'm still interested in it. Uh it still has the uh it still has like the luck point resetting thing that some people aren't into. But eh, what are you gonna do? Not everything can please everybody. Yeah. You remember how luck worked? Remember how luck worked, Cave? Yeah, I remember how luck worked, and I was like, Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh anyway, spellcasting stuff. Uh, so this book, um, this document PDF, only has the divine and arcane circles, because you know this document only has uh, wizards who are arcane and clerics who are divine. So it will make a whole lot of sense to devote uh, page and design space to the primal and weird spell lists, spell circles. But that does bring up the thing I want to talk about a bit earlier, that. I don't know how you're gonna how you're gonna feel about it. I'm not even sure. I I'm not even sure if I know I how, how I feel about it. But it's interesting to me. So, with the circles, in terms of like dividing up and who gets and who gets what access to what, it would be interesting to me if within Tales of the Valiant, the Arcane Circle had wizards and bards, Divine Circle had clerics and paladins the primal circle had uh druids and rangers and the weird circle had warlocks and sorcerers because warlocks and sorcerers in terms of casting stuff they share amount they share an amount of dna Mm -hmm. in that in terms of compared to other casters they're both real fucking weird with warlocks having their like you know way 
trimmed down and fucking weird ass spell lists and like they're like access to spell casting abilities and then with uh and then with a uh, sorcerers having their metamagic options or just being able to like shape spells and get weird about them and both of them get their spells from something outside of themselves that required no actual effort on their part so it'd be neat if the two of them shared a spell list that way it wasn't like two for everything except arcane and except for arcane and weird where arcane has three and weird has one yeah i think it'd be cool just share some dna they're cousins more so than more so than sorcerers are the fucking wizards or bards ah uh, bards are related to everybody let's just be honest boo the I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the fact that bards dip into pretty much every spell list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Presumably bards are going to be part of the, uh, one of the play I tests. For, see- they're going to they're be part of one of the play tests for like the Kickstarter backers. I can actually see bards and warlocks being in the same circle. I don't think so. Like, I think bards lean closer to wizards and that they both have to study. Yeah, but they both have like weird ma- like war- warlock and uh, we'll get into it later. Yeah, well, well later we can get into it now. What, else, what the fuck else are we gonna do? Well, okay, so arcane has always like it's always been weird to me to put bards into the arcane because bards have healing magic, and that to me does not feel like it falls into the arcane domain. <laughs> um. Using proper terminology, it's arcane circle. Whatever. <laughs> it just it feels wrong for uh, for arcane to include healing magic because I felt that's always what made divine special in the older systems, and bards have always kind of existed between. So that's why I'm like, yeah, they could exist in that weird space. And let's not lie, warlocks do have to study. Because they have to figure out how to get to their pact master or whatever, and then figure out how to please them once they've gotten it. That's assuming that they actively sought out to become a warlock, and it wasn't just one day they woke up hearing a voice in their head saying, Hey, you want cool magic? Yeah, you mean like dust? (laughs) Yeah, like most warlocks. Fucking, name me one character not played by you. Or me. Well, we can just stop there. (laughs) Who has... Who has like said, okay, I was a normal person who then studied hard and went on a hunt to go find a warlock patron. No, I do. I One of my players did. A single one of your players. One. And I have hundreds of people. One of my players did and they got bored with the concept so quickly. So you see what I mean. <laughs> and asked if they could build a new character. So you see what I mean. Uh, another thing. DMs. If your players ask you if they can build a new character... Just say yes. Yeah, just let them. Just let them. It, just, if they're not enjoying their character, then they're not going to enjoy the game. Yeah. Now, don't let them just go back and be like, hey, I made the wrong choice at this level. Can I respect for free? Don't let them do that unless it's specifically in the rules. But otherwise, let them rebuild. Their character walks into the woods, and then suddenly the leaves pull back to reveal a new person who's your friend. Their character walks away taking the food with them even though they don't need to eat. <laughs> uh, I found a document translating Curse of Strahd to Pathfinder. Oh. Oh, I want to play it. <laughs> we have a but good now group now. It might work. It might work. 
but we don't play enough games with them. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Anyway, so yeah, um, yeah. So they yeah. So they have the spell list in there, and the spells are effectively the exact same. Like I, I literally like compared a bunch of them from thing from like uh the for like this document to the old document. It's like copy pastes. Uh, copy pasta. Because yeah, they're just pulling spells from the SRD. I'm gonna make pasta for dinner. I will. We will talk more about spells when they change something do significant something or interesting. Yeah, do something interesting. Change a spell. Add a thing. They've put out like a couple of deep magic books that I've yet to look into. But like, yeah, Cobalt Press does stuff, man. Anyway, on to monsters. Uh, monsters are like like so. I'll just go through the other thing. Uh, monster uh, uh, types. Same kind of types. Aberrations, beasts, celestials, constructs, dragons, elementals, fey, fiend, giant, humanoid, monstrosities, oozes, plants, and undead. But with all of those, they also have the tags now. The tags are the thing I was talking about. It's a it's like a little thing next to their like creature type in the uh, stat block. That's in parentheses and italics. That either informs what the thing is or has um, ways or has like a rules about how it interacts with other stuff. So like the animal tag, a creature with the animal tag is not a beast type, but shares enough characteristics that can be affected by abilities that specifically target beasts, such as the speak with animal spell and the slayer and wildlands abilities. As long as the thing isn't fucking magic, you can just do it to them. An owl bear, by its nature, is not magic. It's a monstrosity made by magic, but it is not actually magic itself. So you can still fucking do shit that affects those things. It's neat. I like the tag stuff. I, I like the tags in a general concept. I will need to see how they play out more and see like what tags interact with what in what way. But they're neat. Uh, tags in this document, in terms of just the, their core tags, they're calling them. It's angel, animal, animated, chaotic, corrupt, demon, devil, evil, goblinoid, good, lawful, outsider, shadow, shape changer. Not all of them have like a lot of rule stuff. Some of them are just like descriptors just going, hey, they do this. They're tied to this plane. They do that. They do this. Mm -hmm. But it's also interesting that alignment is now tags. Other thing, actually, I just remembered uh, before heritages had suggested alignments. Now, alignment's nowhere near heritages. Good. Yeah, it seems like player characters now don't really have alignments anymore. Also good. At least so far as it was written in here. They might have it later on. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so other things that are new for these creatures. They still have the same still have hit point stuff. They still have speed. Uh, creatures within Tales of the Valiant now have stealth scores and perception scores. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so instead of having it like, all right, you got, all right, it's contested perception versus their stealth roll, and then just blah, all creatures now have static perception and stealth, which is effectively DCs for seeing creatures sneak up on you and sneaking past creatures. It's just a flat score that is determined by like, uh, with with stealth at least is determined by their dexterity 
and their size. Uh, hasn't yeah, been, a big yeah. ass creature should not be the sneakiest thing in the world. Yeah, um, not exactly um, giving out the full math on what that is yet, but we will see going forward. And then uh, perception, calculate using the monster's wisdom. Other thing they're putting in here, uh, they are putting in um, some more clarification and technical and like technical wording, mechanical wording of what the fuck invisible does for you. Because within the 5e SRD, here's what invisible does. An invisible creature is impossible to see without the aid of magic or, se- or special senses. For the purposes of hiding, the creature is heavily obscured. The, cr- the creature's location can be detected by any noise it makes or any tracks it leaves. Attack rolls against, against the creature have advantage, have disadvantage, and the creature's attack rolls have advantage. Which, like, heavily like obscured, obscuring stuff is, it's a term that they don't really, like, that term is not really fully fleshed out in terms of how it affects other creatures' ability stuff. So, rule as written, being invisible in 5e doesn't give you advantage on stealth. People just do it that way. Because that is the simplest way to go about doing it. Within the core fantasy roleplay system, Tales of Valiant, it is codified. The If you have the invisible condition, you have an advantage on stealth checks made to sneak past a monster that has sight-based senses like vision or night vision. If you're invisible and trying to sneak past something that doesn't have uh, night-based vision, like keen senses, which is like a, you know, Hearing, smell, anything that keen senses or anything that isn't sight or stuff like tremor sense, which it's easy to determine how that stuff works. You just look at the fucking stat block and see what their senses are. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's codified. It's explicit. I like it. <laughs> if you want to make me feel better about something, about something you do in your game, fucking give me proper nouns and explicit rulings. <laughs> None of this fucking DM discretion dog shit. I come to these games because they are a shared language where everyone has a basic understanding of how everything works. If everything's up to DM discretion, then it just turns into 19 different languages and it's all confusing as hell and I get frustrated and fucking anxious. I like Savage Worlds. I like rules. Yeah. Savage Worlds. It is... It is not exactly the most robust system ever, but you know what it fucking has? A lot of goddamn rules and a lot of explicit definitions. So I feel better about it. It's nice, it's exploding, but it also has, you know, a box that it's in. And I like being in boxes. It's comfortable there. I feel safe. Fucking your fuck your apocalypse shit. Look at all GM just did make a decision. Fuck you. Tell me the rules, you pieces of shit. Anyway, the next significant change for monsters are their ability modifiers. So within 5e, they had proficiency bonuses and then ability scores and ability modifiers, then skill proficiencies, then saving throw proficiencies. Fuck all that. Monsters this, they have strength, dex, con, int, whiz, charisma. They have the ability modifiers and nothing else. 
if you're making a, if you're make, you have to make a dex save, you use the dexterity number. If you have to make a stealth save, you if you have to make a fucking like sleight of hand or whatever, you use the same dexterity number. It's simplifying. It's streamlined. Yeah, it takes away some specialness of be like being able to roll a fucking like twenty seven on a con save for somebody. But you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> He's gone. He, he went from hey, I'm excited about the system to straight up combative. That's my job, baby. But no, it it's nice. It's simplified. I like it. Just having all roles be a single line of numbers. I like it. It's simple. It's elegant. Anyway, uh, I already talked about keen senses. Uh, then another uh, big, other new big thing, doom. Doom! Doom! So, uh, Doom is a metacurrency that can uh, be used by the GM for powerful boss monsters. You can spend a Doom point to give a monster advantage on a single attack roll, or force a PC to roll a save at disadvantage. More powerful monsters have specific Doom abilities. Not sure how I feel about the forcing disadvantage. It's not... Great. Like we saw, we said when we talked about this earlier, it feels like they're trying to encourage combativeness between players and DMs here. Yeah, and also having the only Doom abilities be those two or the uh, or this creature specific abilities, creature specific ability, because not a lot of them have more than one. I take it up to like higher CR, but nobody gets up to higher CR. Because nobody gets at a higher level. I'm trying. You're trying. But we're also wearing a different system now. I'm still trying. I'm willing to bet the rule carries over. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I just, I want more. I'm not against Doom as a concept. Again, I play a lot of Savage Worlds. GM Bennies are great. But I want more options. Either like more stuff that like, all creatures can do okay. like creature family specific abilities stuff that affects the whole table yeah and so not just like one particular person so it feels like bullying yeah it's like all right i cast fireball and then force the rogue to roll to disadvantage because i'm just gonna say this even if they're not being targeted a player will feel like they're being targeted yep period Anything. I shot you with an arrow once. You can't fucking target me, dude. Hell. Hey, how come I never get inspiration? You've been sitting on an inspiration since we started playing. Yeah, but that's because you never give me any more. I can't give you any more. So frustrating. Anyway, and yeah, it's an optional rule in the system also of uh, having uh, enemies regain doom points. When a PC rolls a natural one. And just to be clear, it's not all monsters that have doom points. If you're like going up against like a big boss and then is like two lieutenants. And like the big boss has three doom points, little boss, little like sub bosses have one doom point. It's not, oh, I, oh one of us rolled a nat one, so all of them get a doom point. It's a single monster gets, a do gets one doom point. Mm, that'll be fun to keep track of. It's not that hard. It's about as it's about as like complicated as oh you pulled a Joker everyone gets a, everyone gets a Benny. Yeah, 
Because I was like, oh, someone rolled that one. Okay. One gets one. Yeah, so this one has one, and then these three only have zero because they didn't gain any. You understand what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about on a physical map instead of saying having digital tools to keep track of it. I'm thinking about, like, how would I keep track of that? Would I, like, put soda can ring soda bottle rings on top of the mini no or something, you, or? no you have a piece of paper and then you put underneath your stat block one i suppose that works like do you have like like when you like if you are using like a physical map do you have every single thing that they can do only on their minis and not behind your gm screen no no i you're 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 right i just I like, I also, um, I was, I was just like thinking off the top of my head, how would I do this? Yeah. Like a doom point is a good point. Just write it down. Yeah. Like a doom point is not a condition that the players need to know about players. At least rule is written. Don't know whether a thing has a doom point or not until they use one. Which that'd be fun. Just go into a room with goblins and all of a sudden what you all of a sudden go. All right. So this guy's going to spend a doom point. Wait, what? (laughs) I like that concept of it. I do too. I just like, like I said, make stuff that affects the whole table. Yeah. Anyway, so let's move into some specific monsters. Uh, we're not going to go over like all of them. We're going to go over like specific. We're going to go over like uh, changes made to the, some, some of the stuff in this. Cause I think it's like eight creatures in here with only one of them being, I think what's well, sorry, two of them being original monsters or at the very least, or at the very least not five ESRD monsters. Mm hmm. I'll just go through those. Starting off with the Husk Demon. This that is sounds a, awesome. Yep, this is a CR4 fiend with the tag of demon. AC 15, 110 hit points, speed of 40 with a fly speed of 25. Stealth score of 15, perception score of 13. It is immune to um, exhaustion, grappled, poisoned, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, um, and restrained. They put in poison twice. And it's also immune to necrotic. That's because it's, it's immune to it twice. Yeah, it's also immune to uh, necrotic damage, poison damage, and void damage. With void damage being a new type of damage for Tales of the Valiant, that I've only seen come up in monster stats. But I guess we'll see. Uh, it has a uh, night vision and ninety feet, which is you know dark vision. It speaks a vessel. Sorry, it speaks abyssal, void speech, and has telepathy of 60 feet. Its modifiers are strength plus one, dex plus five, con plus three, int minus two, whiz minus one, charisma minus three. It has one doom point. Uh, it can enter the hostile space of a creature and stop in that creature's space. And whenever the husk demon takes void damage, it instead takes no damage and heals. Oh. That sucks. Yeah, uh, it has. Um, it can make two attacks with its void drain ability, which is it deals six slashing damage and eight void damage. The targets and the person who got hit, their hit point maximum is reduced by the void damage taken. And the husk demon regains regains hit points equal to that amount. Uh, the reduction lasts until you finish a long rest. Also, for the damage stuff, we're just gonna be going through like their um like the flat damage. Because mm-hmm. it has flat damage that has like the numbers next to it, like in 5e. But uh, the numbers that they are using for the flat damage and the and like the math for like what the roll would be 
doesn't always add up. They're still tweaking that stuff, so I'm just going to go with the flat damage just because it's easier. Mm-hmm. Anyway, other abilities it has. The Soul Feed, which it can do three times a day. It is a 20-foot AoE where everyone has to make a DC 14 charisma save or suffer one of the following effects. If this is the first time this creature has done the feed ability, each creature is slowed for one minute. A slowed creature can repeat the save at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on a success. If it's the second time, they gain a level of exhaustion. If a creature is unconscious and fails to save, it gains three levels of exhaustion. And if and if it's a third time feeding, uh, each creature takes 18 points of necrotic damage and is stunned until the end of its next turn. If a creature is reduced to zero hit points by this feed, it dies instead, and the husk demon regains hit points equal to that creature's hit point maximum. Just fuck you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how the CR like calculations will go for this thing, because... Presumably, as the guys who make all the monsters that people like, they know that CR is fucking broken and doesn't work. Yeah. So hopefully they've redone the math and this is actually like effective things. But we'll see. And then, the final thing for the Husk Demon, it has a bonus action for a Doom Point called Envelop. The Husk Demon flings itself at one medium or smaller creature within 10 feet of it. The target must succeed on a DC 15 strength save or be enveloped by the, demo- by the demon's desiccated body. While enveloped, the creature is restrained and has disadvantage on saves against the husk demon's soul feed ability. <laughs> so, just yeets itself at you and then that same turn tries to rip your soul out of your body. I like this thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the demon can unwrap itself by spending five feet of his movement. A creature, including the target can use an action to try to pull uh, the demon free by succeeding a DC 15 strength save. If the check succeeds, the creature is no longer restrained and moves to an unoccupied space within five feet of the demon. That's a solid little ditty. Keep it re- keeping it reasonable with the DC 15. Yeah. But otherwise, like, actually threatening. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you know this. Cobalt Press is good at making 5e monsters. Uh, I don't know this. I've never looked at any of their stuff. It's pretty good. Anyway, uh, next up, the Black Dragon. Uh, They have um, stats in here for a Black Dragon Hatchling and a Young Black Dragon. And they're pretty neat. Uh, With the the Black Dragon Hatchling, uh, it's still CR2, uh, but they did bump up its hit points a bit, bump up its fly speed to, sorry, bump up its swim speed to 40 feet. Uh, it has a perception DC of 13 and a stealth DC of 15. It's immune to acid. It has uh, night vision out, out to 60 feet and keen senses within 10 feet. So if you have to get real close to a fucking black dragon and you're invisible, you don't have advantage on fucking stealth checks. Uh, they also did a slight bump to its dex, con, wisdom, and charisma. Just bumping them all up by one. Mm-hmm. And gave it the pounce ability. So if, if it moves 15 feet in a straight line and then hits it with a claw attack, the target must make a DC 12 strength save or be knocked prone. If it is, if it is knocked prone, dragon can make a bite attack as a bonus action. Uh, with the claw attack, I believe, doing more damage. I meant to look this up. 
Because because I'm using these based on like the wormling stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So black dragon wormling. Oh, it. Yeah, the uh, black dragon wormling uh didn't have a claw attack. So it definitely does more damage. Yeah, so it's just straight up better. Um, and then also uh with the acid breath, uh they bumped up the DC by one. And then bumped up the average damage by five. Because before it would take a 22 damage or 5d8 on a failed save. Whereas new one takes 27 damage or 6d8 on a failed save. And then the young black dragon. As I pull up these stats. Well, let's see here. Bumped its eight bunches, bumped its HP up to 152. Uh, bumped its swim speed up by 20 feet. Got a bump to Dex, Wisdom, and Charisma. It now has legendary resistances. At CR 7, still. So, you know, that's nice. CR means nothing. CR means nothing, but legendary resistance means something. Yeah. Especially three that a day. You know, the normal amount, which is weird for a thing that low. Mm-hmm. Uh, the claw attacks. Sorry, the bite attack. Actually, um, change up the damage a bit on that. Uh, the bite now deals way less damage, because before it was a 2d10 plus 4 for an average of 15. This one, it's 2d6 plus 3, with their, uh, standard, their standard thing being 10, and the acid damage is a flat number of 5. Okay. Uh, and then with their and then with their acid breath, uh, bumped the DC up by one from fourteen to fifteen, and then bumped the damage up from either forty nine at eleven d eight to fifty four at twelve d eight. Just slight bumps. Uh, they've said with all this stuff that the math is going to change as they go, because again, this is a playtest document. Next up, everything here is subject to change. Yes, card subject to change as always. Uh, so next up, goblins. Fucking goblins. Your average goblin. Got a slight HP bump up to 9 HP. Uh, stealth. Got a little bit worse with their stealth DC of 15. Uh, perception is 9 because goblins can't see shit. Uh, modifiers, all the same. Attacks. I think Fan would disagree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so attacks. All the same, still Scimitar and Shortbow. They still have Nimble Escape as a bonus action, but now they have a reaction called Frantic Reflexes. Whenever a goblin is hit or missed by an attack, they can stand up from being prone or move, or move up to 10 feet without provoking attacks of opportunity. <laughs> That's awesome. Just, hey, fuck. Oh, shit. Gotta go. Don't hurt me. Please, I'm a little guy. I'm just a little baby. Uh, and then also in here is the Goblin Captain, uh, which I believe is equivalent to the Goblin Boss from 5e. Mm-hmm. Based on like modifiers and stuff. Um, still AC 17. Yeah, still AC 17. Uh, doubles hit points up to 44. Uh, stealth. They have a stealth DC of 12 or 15 if they're not wearing their heavy armor of chain shirt. Uh, they have a perception DC of 11, bumping it up from 9. 
Uh, and they also got a slight bump to their intelligence and slight bump to their intelligence, pretty decent bump to their wisdom. With intelligence going from zero to plus one and wisdom going from minus one to plus one. Uh, these goblins can multi-attack with their scimitar or their javelin before only able to double before only able to um, make two attacks with their scimitar and their second attack was at disadvantage. Uh, the javelin does a bit more damage with it going from uh, d6 to d6 plus 2. And they have a new bonus action of quick strike. Which is, if the goblin boss hits a target with two weapon attacks or scores a critical, they can make one additional attack with a scimitar or javelin. And they still have redirect, where they can just grab a goblin and just swap places with them so the goblin gets stabbed instead. An ability... Hey, get over here! Yeah, an ability I have never seen used, and I want to see it used, because that's as cool as hell. Just, oh god, I'm about to be hit. You, get hit for me. Wait, what? Blech. Fan, No! That's how I kill off fan. <laughs> yeah. And Zirian's like, hey, who was that guy? Did we know him? Anyway, Harpy. We got a Harpy. Uh, HP is the same, but they got a bump to armor class. Bumping it up from 11 to 13. Now have a, uh, then I have night vision, which they didn't have before. Uh, and they got some bumps to their ability modifiers with strength going up by one, dex going up by two, and charisma going up by one. And hey, harpies have a doom point that they can use for um, normal doom options or Canticle of Thunder, which is the harpy intones a beautiful melody that conjures up, that conjures a deafening peal of thunder. Each creature within 100 feet of the harpy must make a DC 13 con save, taking six thunder damage on a failed save or half as much on a success. The other harpies are unaffected. A creature that fails its save is deafened for one minute. A creature whose save is eight or lower is also stunned until the end of its next turn. The peal of thunder can be heard at the distance of a mile. Uh, harpies also now have spears instead of clubs. Which is decent, you know? Yeah. Uh, and harpies still have their luring song ability, which is like DC 12 save or be charmed. Uh, but now it's a bonus action. Just strictly better harpies. Yeah. Uh, next up sounds is... Like, like that, that thunder peel ability sounds cool, so... Yeah. Uh, next up is the hellhound. Uh, pretty significant bump to HP, um, bumping it up from 45 to 65. A uh, slight bump to their wisdom, and they have a new ability, Infernal Hunter, uh, which is the hound can sense the presence of tiny or larger creatures within 30 feet of them that aren't constructs or undead. Which, not sure how this can interact with like invisibility or any kind of invasion stuff like that, but it is still funny. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk past this dog. Why is it on fire? <laughs> Wait, what? No, the dog! Yep. Um, Boomer shall burn. Dog still has pack tactics. And uh, its um, bite attack got a pretty decent damage bump, um, going from 1d8 plus 3 and 2d6 for the uh, piercing and fire, respectively, to 2d8 for both. Nice. Next up, the Otyug. 
a creature that I keep hearing about from people who make D&D, but I have never seen used in a D&D game. I need to check to see what it is because uh, it's that weird. It's that weird toothy dog thing with like the tentacles. Oh, that thing. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it keeps coming up, and the people are like, oh, "This hot dog is cool, man." I mean, it's got good. Like the old version has some decent like stats, but like it's not. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> So, new version. Watch like the other ones. Significant bump to HP, going from 114 to 142. Uh, it might two rounds. It is now immune to poison and disease and the poison condition. And it has a new ability called Stench of Rot. Uh, creatures that start their turn within 10 feet of the Ayag must succeed a DC 15 con save or be poisoned until the end of their next turn. Uh, bites and the disease and stuff are all still the same. However, uh, I believe the, yeah, with the tentacle slam, uh, they have bumped the damage up from 2d6 plus uh, 3 to 3d6 plus 3. And then, finally, a new creature, the Sitar. Which Sitars uh, call themselves Devourers and Those Who End Worlds. They are some fucking planar travelers who go around trying to kill shit. Just full evil. They seem neat. Uh, so they have armor class of 12, 44 hit points, speed of 30, stealth DC of 11, perception DC of 12. They are resistant to necrotic damage. They have night vision. Um, they speak common and void. Modifiers are strength plus 3, dex 1, con 1, int and whiz both 0, and charisma of 1. They have void fortitude, which is undead fortitude. Just they'd be reduced to, if they would be reduced to zero. Uh, they can make a con save of five plus damage taken, unless it was from, unless it was radiant or a crit or a crit. On a success, they drop to one instead. And all of their attacks are magic. And whenever they hit with a weapon attack, they deal an additional uh, four necrotic damage, which is included in the stat line. Which the stat lines are void claw, which does uh, a d4 plus three. And make a con, and then make a con save, or have their speed reduced by ten feet until the end of his next turn, and a spear, which is a spear. And that's the Tales of the Valiant preview from the Kickstarter. It sounds like a slightly better version of Fifth Edition so far. Hell yeah, that's what fucking Cobalt Press does. Let's say hey, let's take Five E and make it a little bit gooder. Hopefully, their uh, crafting rules are worth my. God damn time. <laughs> we'll see. Crafting will probably not be involved in any playtest material. Just period. Which is the biggest problem. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, we, know, we, know, we know how crafting works. Don't worry about it. When it comes out, why does everyone hate crafting? But yeah, so that's that. There'll be two more playtests coming out, like I said, as part of the Kickstarter. So we will see when we can get our hands on those. Like, A, when we get our hands on them, and B, what we're allowed to say about them, because I do not know what their yeah. policy will be on on discussing in detail things behind a paywall. All the stuff we've been talking about has been free and, like, out in the open available to everybody. We we aren't going to across, step across any boundaries, is what we're saying, people. Yeah. So, like, if 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 they have specifically said, "Hey, you're not allowed to talk about this to the public. This is a pay uh, a paid for 
play test only. We aren't going to say shit. Yeah. Because we can't afford to get sued. Yeah. Also, even if we don't get sued, we don't really, I don't want to piss off a company that publishes shit that could potentially, I don't know, give us money in some capacity. That's never going to happen. Never. But a boy can dream, damn it. But if you want to help that happen and you enjoyed what you heard, please share. Introduce us to other people. I thought you were going to plug the Kofi. No, I'm going to plug the, hey, we don't have enough listeners. <laughs> if we get more listeners, we get more money. Brilliant. I'm more concerned with getting a larger audience in the first place. Fuck the so audience, please. they're assholes. So please, share us with your mother, share us with your church group, share us with your little siblings. We don't, don't swear that much. Don't share us with your little siblings. We are an explicit tag on everything. Do not share us with anyone under the age of 18. Don't share us with anyone under the age of 18, but if they're over 18, share us. If you're under 18, share us with someone who's over 18, so that way we're not getting it. Yeah. Share us with someone over 18 so they can ask you, why are you listening to this? <laughs> this is so inappropriate. A, they swear a lot, and B, they're stupid. I mean, one of them is funny sometimes, but... And the other one's caveman. <laughs> yeah, Roland hasn't written my jokes in a while, so... <laughs> Anyway, if anything we have said in the last two and a half hours Good Lord <laughs> has sounded interesting to you, check them check out Tales of the Valiant at talesofthevaliant.com or back their Kickstarter. You'll find will be able to find a link for both in the description. And if you want to hear more from us, we've got a whole mess of stuff on the site, including more uh, more tabletop RPG content, yep. uh, especially Curse Destiny, where yep. we're going to be getting to Pathfinders. <laughs> Yep, we are almost done with our backlog, and then we'll be getting into the new recorded stuff from our time with Pathfinder. And yeah, we'll also have more stuff coming out for that. I have ideas planned. We're going to be having video stuff coming back soon. We're going to be having a regular run of podcasts. Uh, myself, Birdie, and Nico will be back at the Comics Podcast in the next couple weeks talking about Day Tripper. But, till all that stuff, I'm dead. And I'm Caveman. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye, have a wonderful time.